Blog Talk Radio. holiday and then football 2014 is back we are here the Madden voice returns and we will be here every week now through the season and we're very excited to have football with you and even though commissioner t had last second technical difficulties thanks to blog talk radio yeah i'm calling them out because they screwed me up but i worked through it and i'm here barely but I'm here. But I don't do this by myself. I have people. And, you know, I felt that it was time to reintroduce the crew. I really felt that, you know, you're starting a new season, football's back, you know, the excitement of, of who's going to do well and who's going to be a bust and all that good stuff. Say, you know what? It's time to reintroduce the crew. Who are these guys that bring you the Madden Voice every week, whether you're listening live, whether you're listening uh, recorded, podcast, however it may be? And, of course, if you want to call in, 347-838-9525. That's 347-838-9525. You can call in and listen to the show. But let me, let, me, let me first introduce the crew, the newest member of the Madden Voice crew. Yeah. This guy, affectionately known as my younger brother, he's coming from coming to you from Brooklyn, Connecticut. But now he lives in Atlanta. Some call it ATL. He calls it the egg. This guy knows more about football than than, than, than you guys would ever understand. I know that because I taught him most of it. Ah, but he is here tonight to drop some knowledge. JB, welcome to the Match Boys. My brother, my brother, I appreciate it. Good to be back. Good to be back. Well, it's good to have you, man. It's good to have you, man. That was a that was, that was a nice that was a nice little that was a nice little cut you picked to. Uh, Bring you back on the show, man. I like that, man. 
you know. I like yeah, that. And I bet yeah. the people out there was rocking. People out there, they was bopping, you know. They was they bopping. They yeah. know what time it is. They know what they I'm do. saying. They do. They do. And, and you know, JB, I got a small, tiny surprise for you. It's not a big one. It's a little one. But right now, I just got confirmation that our beloved mother is listening to us. So, oh, right. Hey, Ma, glad you're listening. Love you, and enjoy the show. All right, all right. I told her we would be back on the air tonight, and uh, and uh, she just texted me, says that she hears us. So, uh, so uh, maybe, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe Lena Floyd, the creator of these two brothers, may even pick up the phone and dial in three four seven eight three eight nine five two five. You never know. She might, she might do that. She might do that. Well, you know, she's so. done it before. She's done it before. But uh, oh, that'd be real nice, real nice. That'd be real nice, real nice, real nice. Anyway, um, so you have me, you have JB, and uh, next on the list, arguably the most controversial guy on the show, he is the self-anointed, <laughs> self-anointed face of Madden. He did appear on ESPN's Madden Nation Season 4, EA Madden Challenge Series in two, uh, uh, 2008 on G4. He is considered one of the best of all time. I will give him that. I, I can't take that away from him. Consistently every year, the guys, the guys beating uh, players, Madden players all over the all over the country. So he he is that doggone good, and uh, considers himself a bit of a fantasy uh, football girl guru. Last year he was in six leagues, if I remember, and won of them. So you know, we give him a little credit, including including our very own EAFL uh, fantasy football league. And uh, he happened to beat the one and only Commissioner D to do that. And uh, this man goes by. One and only K-Star, welcome back to the Madden Voice. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I am the reason. Anyway, it's fitting that the face of Madden happens to also be uh, a sexy boy himself. Uh, there's a straight correlation there. Part of the reason why his face of Madden, uh, K-Star himself, is because, again, as I speak myself in third person, uh, the face is quite handsome. The reason why Mama Floyd is listening tonight, thanks for listening. Uh, Mother Floyd, thanks for being here with us. Uh, I know T's really excited. I know <laughs> Jason's really excited, and I'm excited to be here. And fellas, uh, I, I'm a little under the weather. My voice right now may not sound uh, as quite as uh, excellent as normally would, quite as well, quite as pretty. But you know, um, it is what it is. Got to fight this cold and get it out of my system. So, well, it's good to have you back with us, K Star. It's good to be. It's good to be back. And uh, we've got JB, we've got K-Star, we're only missing one person. And uh, we know who this guy is. This guy is the doctor of philosophy, a defensive guru, the man who won the very first EAFL Super Bowl way back in the Stone Ages. That's right, the EAFL 
the all-time best Madden League ever assembled, and uh, he won the first Super Bowl. He actually is a Ph.D., so when we call him the doctor of philosophy, he actually really is a Ph.D. He is, uh, I consider him the best friend in the world that I've never met, and he is the one and only, the one and only, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait for it. Anybody who tries to debate me, Commissioner T, that's right, the man who started the EAFL, the man who made Madden relevant to nine league players. And it's funny I say that today, August 26, 2014, the day that Madden 15 uh, is out. Before the EAFL, Madden league players were not taken seriously. And the league that, that I founded many, many years ago put league players in the map. Now they're taken seriously. Now you actually see guys in the Madden League going out there playing in tournaments and doing very, very well, creating cool, creating crews, and, and, and wreaking a little havoc. So, you know, on the Madden side, that's what we were able to do. And then before all these other talk radio shows came into effect, all these other uh, Madden-type shows, the very first one, the originator, we don't imitate, we create, was the Madden point. So it's good to be here, good to have this time, and uh, and 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 of course we always we always are going to have technical difficulties. So I will ask my co my uh, uh, co-host to 
uh, pay attention to the background noise because if, if you hear it, we hear it. And if we hear it, then the audience hears it. And um, I'll be forced to mute you, and I don't want to do that. So, man, as I said it, somebody took care of it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you kindly. So we are here. Uh, 2014 NFL season is upon us. First game is actually uh, um, nine days away. And uh, I believe that is Green Bay and Seattle. That would be uh, Thursday night, September, September 4th on uh, CBS. First time CBS is actually getting Thursday night games. And then uh, the rest of the games will be played on Sunday, September 7th. Um, many fantasy football leagues have drafted. Uh, we attempted to and uh, didn't work out, so we will be redrafting. Um, uh, so just so everybody is aware, uh, we will do a full-blown fantasy football segment next Tuesday. Um, three of us are in the same league tonight, so I don't think it's cool for us to talk strategy, football strategy, and we have a draft coming up. But next Tuesday, which will be hot off our own draft, we will talk fantasy football strategies, players, you know, and just just some tips. Um, you know, I've won a couple of leagues. Uh, K-Star's won some leagues. Train is always competitive, a very analytical mind. JB is in a couple of leagues, plays very well. So I think you're going to get a well-rounded uh, view of fantasy football next Tuesday. And every week after that, we'll do we'll do a segment on fantasy football to kind of help you uh, take, take your questions and, and give thoughts and, uh, you know, hopefully help you dominate your league. But in the meantime, we're going to talk some football. And let's just jump right into it. There's so much to talk about that we, we're not going to get through everything tonight, but I do want to hit on the highlights. And, and I think the, the way to start is we, I'm going to start with Dr. Train, and he, he posed a very good question for us to talk about. You know, we go through preseason, and there's, there's always a lot of talk about how much the starters play and should they play and this, that, and the other. We just saw Sam Bradford uh, out with a, a torn ACL in the game. He's out for the year. Uh, it's not the first time that a player has been injured in a preseason game and, and out for the season. Probably won't be the last time. So there's a lot of discussion on, you know, how much do you play your starters and, and how much do you show your schemes in games that really don't count. And should preseason really just be for the second and third teams to learn and, and try to get that starting job? I, I, I don't know. But, Trey, you asked, is preseason really impact the regular season? Is there is there can we learn something from the preseason and take it into the to the regular season? So Trent, I'm gonna ask you your thoughts and you can start the conversation. And remember if anybody wants to call in, three four seven eight three eight nine five two five. Again, three four seven eight three eight nine five two five. Chat room is open if you wanna jump in there and say a few words. You can also catch us on uh Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com backslash the Madden Voice. You can also tweet us just uh, at the Madden Voice, and we'll we'll get your comments. Uh, go ahead and hashtag TMV so we know you're you're uh, talking about us out there. Train your thoughts on uh, preseason football. Well, I, I'll first say it, it it it's not to say that it doesn't have zero effect on the regular season because that wouldn't be correct. It has effect on the regular season as far as as far as preparation. To play, uh, to play football, you know, to get into football shape because they're in training, they're in training camp, they're in OTAs, you know, they're lifting weights, but they need to be in football shape. You need to have some kind of rhythm. But as far as the wins and losses go, and how a team may or may not get dominated when it's ones versus ones, 
uh, I think, gets blown, like, way overboard because you don't know what's going to happen once the season starts. One injury changes the whole team. You know, uh, uh, you don't know what kind of chemistry may develop between the players on offense or the players on defense. I mean, we've seen teams turn their whole season around midseason and make playoffs. So it's just strange when you listen to analysts and they really look at preseason games and be like, yep, they're going to suck the rest of the season. That makes absolutely no sense. I think it's great preparation for players that have just gotten drafted, for players that have that went there in their uh, first few years, first, you know, first, second, or third year. Uh, that people are trying to make the roster is is good for the coaches because you're not really game planning for a team, so you're kind of, in a sense of, uh, you're kind of coming up with stuff almost on the fly. You you go in with it with a game plan, but it's a game plan that you want your team to execute a certain way, so you get real live situations that you can sort of practice on in a, in a, in a live game scenario. Uh, but as far as uh, yeah, the team goes two and two or or and four in preseason, and uh, yeah, they're going to be you know uh, five and 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 eleven in the regular season. Some, I I think that's just silly. All right, K Star, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't pay attention to records in the preseason. I more or less pay attention to um, uh, position battles because those are I think <clears throat> are the most telling. Uh, thing from preseason, the most you can take away from, because you have guys legitimately fighting for a starting spot or a roster spot on the team. Therefore, it's not just them haphazardly playing through the preseason. Um, I guarantee you that coaches for those players are in those legitimate uh, depth, uh, depth chart battles uh, for key positions on the football team. Uh, you know, are, are scheming for them to you know try to throw them in the fire and see how well they do. Uh, so yeah, records don't matter to me. In short. Individual play has some 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 merit, but uh, more so on the on players that are on the bubble or uh, have a chance to uh, land a starting position for the football teams. That's about it. Jason, anything different to add? No, not really. I mean, I agree with both uh, Trey and Case. Though I think it's really an eyeball test for the coaches. They know who the stars are. They know who the starters are. After that, it's really about position players and where they're going to make the team or not. Uh, it wasn't but 2008 when the Lions went 4-0 in the preseason and ended up losing all 16 games. So definitely throw the records out. doesn't matter. It's really about who's there to make the team and what position they're going to be able to, to harness within that team and give the, the coaches a chance to really see with the lights on who can do what after the stars and after the starters, who's next in the line, who's going to be the backup. So that's the most important piece of it. And just getting timing for the starters, that's about it. Well, but look at Jay going deep into the vault of, of statistics with that with that 08 Lions stat. Boy, that was, that was a good one there, bro. I like that. I'm, I'm, mid-season form, baby, mid-season form. <laughs> Another good stat is the Colts. The Colts, when they won on Peyton Manning, started one for the preseason as well. Uh, and they won a Super Bowl that year, so goes to show you. There you go. Yeah, yeah I agree with I agree. I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you guys said. Records don't really matter, but but you can learn a lot about what direction a team is heading. Um, you you can certainly learn a lot about the scheme and focus. Um, you know, you can learn a lot about your team. You can learn about your competition if you're looking at other teams. 
Um, you know, certainly position battles are really important in, in preseason. Uh, you know, we, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, the, the, the Cleveland Brown quarterback uh, battle is one that everyone's watching uh, uh, clearly, uh, although at this point they say it's done, but who knows. Um, so there is a lot that you can learn from the preseason. Um, but to to look at the preseason record or, or, you know, I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, let, let's dissect it just for a second here. The first game, the starters play about a series or two. The second game, they may play about a quarter. Third game, okay, now they're going about a half to three quarters, depending on the team, you know, up to, up to three quarters in the third game. They call that the dress rehearsal. And the fourth game, they pretty much sit. So, you know, if you, if you take all that, they're probably playing a little more than a full game in, in four weeks. You can't, you know, these are the starters. These are the guys that are locked in. Um, you, you can't really learn much from that as far as whether they will win or lose. But you can learn about schemes. You can learn about, you know, offensive and defensive plans and what the coordinator is going to be looking to do. And you, you certainly can get a, a mini scouting report. And, and I also think the position battle. So I think preseason is valuable. I think Trey hit that right on the head. But there's no way, you know, um, um, to sit there and say, well, a team that goes – 0-4, you know, I mean, my own Cowboys are 0-3, although I tend to think that might be indicative of what we're going to see this season. But you can't, you can't say that across the board. You really can't. So, um, and, you know, there's another comment that I want to say, and then if somebody else wants to jump in. But, you know, the more I watch the NFL analysts, the less I want to watch the NFL analysts. I, I mean, it, it's really getting bad. Um, I enjoy when they break down schemes I enjoy when you have a coach or a GM talk about front office politics and signing and re-signing because clearly they're going to know that contract stuff and negotiation stuff better than we are as pundits sitting on the sidelines. But sometimes some of the stuff they come up with, you know, they, they, you know, they, they said uh, uh, Mark Sanchez because he, he didn't want to go and play in, uh, in, in St. Louis um, you know, he, his, his, he's gotten beat up so bad by Rex Ryan that he just needs time to regroup. How do you know that? How, who are you, you don't know that. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you're putting words in the guy. He just said, I don't want to go play in St. Louis. That's all he said. That's it. He's in Philly. He's a backup in Philly. And maybe he feels like he's got a shot. Maybe, he, maybe like many of us, he don't believe in falls, and he's happy where he is. That don't mean – he wants to run over to St. Louis. I mean, you know, the grass ain't always greener. He's guy's been in the league for a few years. He knows a couple of things. You know, I, it, it, it just I, I don't get some of the comments that I hear. It, and you're putting words in people's mouths and you're saying things that they didn't say. And it's just it, it's frustrating to me. And I wish ESPN and 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 NFL Network would really sit down and look at the analysts that you hire and separate the football knowledge from the opinions, because they put it all together and they present it all like it's fact, and it's just your opinion, and you're saying it in the same time that you're saying the guy threw 30 interceptions last year, which is a fact, and then you follow up with, well, he, he, he feels this way and he feels that. You don't know how he feels. Stop talking about that stuff. It is annoying, and I'm calling him out all year long. All of them, when I hear crap that they say that is conjecture and rhetoric, I'm calling them out. Commissioner T, I'm on a, I'm on a vendetta this year. I'm going through these guys, and I'm letting, the, I'm letting the NFL public know 
you need to understand the difference between fact and opinion. A fact is a, a statistic that you can prove. An opinion is a feeling. Well, I, your feelings have no more value than my feelings, so why do I care what you think Martin Sanchez is thinking? If you want to say because he signed a contract with Philly and guaranteed money and blah, blah, you know, or something that we don't know, okay, I, you got my attention now. Now I'm listening to you. You may have inside information on the business side of the NFL that we don't get as fans. I'm, you, I'm, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Or there's something in a salary cap or a structure or something that you're educated about. All right, I'm listening now. Don't sit here and tell me how someone feels because you think you know. I'm calling them out every single time. Fans get ready. You know who you need to call out, though, Steve? You know who you need to call out? The networks. Because I guarantee you that this is just network pressure. Having them speculate, encouraging them to be like, hey, so, you know, before you go out there, I mean, you're, you do a great job giving the stats, giving the analysts, you know, analysis on the game, but, you know, why don't, we, why don't you tell us why you think Mark Sanchez may not be there? You know, like, I guarantee you that ESPN, ESPN especially, uh, is pushing that, pushing them to speculate, you know, because it's part of the job, it's part of the drama, it's part of the news they want to create. Uh, when there's no news, sometimes they're forced to create news, and I just think that's more or less companies and the networks and the executives more so than the players who, I mean, they know what they sign up for, but, again, I think that's more just on them. No, I, I don't. I don't believe it's a network. I think it's really them. I think they actually come. You out think they're just bored? It could be. I could be wrong. That's fair. <laughs> I really think it's them because when I listen to them, it's like, really? You sound like you never played before. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? And, and you know what? Regardless, first of all, I'm going to call them out. I don't really care what the motivation is. It's wrong. You know, if you're going to speculate, then come out and say. I'm going to speculate. I'm going to, I'm going to throw my opinion out there. Here's what I think. Don't present it like it's a fact. Throw the disclaimer out. This is my opinion. I think Mark Sanchez needs a year off after what Rex Ryan put him through over the last couple of years. Okay, right. that's your opinion. But state it that way. I'll give you a good example. Stephen A. Smith, right, one of the more popular uh. analysts, on ESPN, gets suspended for a week because he felt the need to be a domestic violence expert in discussing Ray Rice. I'm sorry. You're out of bounds. Stick to talking football and, and, and policies around football. The discussion was about whether two games, based on what we know, was enough of a, a, a suspension, a punishment. That was the discussion, and how that turns into him talking about a woman provoking a man, and that's an example of you get carried away, you get caught up into something, you think that your viewpoint actually is valuable, and guess what? You got yourself suspended for a week. Now, I'll give him credit. He took it like a man. He apologized. When he came back from the suspension, he didn't say a word. He didn't complain. He, he did the right thing. I will give him credit for that. But so many times that happens on other maybe not so volatile subjects, and the fan base hears it and listens, and then we're out here talking to people, and I'm hearing, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, no, that's actually not true. Well, well yeah, it is. Well, why is it true? Because Skip Bayless said it was true. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that don't make it true. That's his opinion. You know? Fair point, though. Anyway. I mean, if Skip said it, it must be true, so. 
Well, that's what Skip wants everybody to think. That's what he wants everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, and those, don't give me those are two great examples. Well, somebody give me ten minutes on first take to explain to Stephen A. Smith why the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. Because I'm getting sick of his assertion that the New England Patriots should be America's team. I'm, I'm getting tired of it. The Dallas Cowboys are worth three point two billion dollars. The Dallas Cowboys are always the most watched NFL team year after year after year in the NFL. Period. The most watched. Period. Whether you love them, whether you hate them, they are the most watched. Not the Patriots, the Cowboys. They sell the most merchandise. Get out of my face. Idiot. Okay, moving right along. Sorry. Mm. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sorry. I'm glad. I'm mm. glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. In debate. Okay, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk Johnny Manziel, a topic that I think first take is beaten to death. Um, oh, my goodness, man. There, there was one week that I was really busy and I didn't get to watch First Take the entire week. So there were five episodes on my DVR, and it was either a Friday afternoon or a Saturday. And I said, well, let me go through and watch. And, you know, fortunately I recorded them so I, was, I could fast forward. You know, I start talking, you know, something I don't want to hear, I can just fast forward. And I am telling you, 50% of everything they talked about, actually I think it was last week. It might have been last week. Um, it was. was that, was Johnny Manziel. Fifty percent. One show where they do eight segments, six of the eight segments were Johnny Manziel. Why do people think he's that relevant? I don't get it. But that's because Tim Tebow's not played in the NFL anymore, and we need someone new. We need the anti-Tebow. This, this is who he is. This is the new Tim Tebow. This is the new ESPN, ESPN's you know, media darling. You know, everyone wants to talk about him. And, um, again, Tebow's no longer in the NFL, so they found someone new to annoy Dude, to speculate on. It's horrible. It's awful. I understand why I got to hear about a position battle between Brian Hoyer and Johnny Manziel every time I turn on ESPN. Why is it so important? It's the Cleveland Browns who are crying out loud. When have they become relevant? They haven't been since Jim Brown left. <laughs> right. and, and, and the sad part about all of this is we haven't even had one regular season game where it really counts. Not one. Yeah. And to go hey. one step further, we're talking about two players that have played so poorly, it appears neither one of them really want to start in position anyway. So that adds more fuel to the fire as to why are we even talking about these two cats who are obviously not truly prepared to play. Manziel, he's not ready. Boyer, after three decent games last year, he doesn't seem ready to play. You know what's amazing about all of this? It's the fact that the one player, if there were to, if there were to be any on the Browns to talk about, it's one that fantasy football analysts only spend as much time on as the NFL pundits and ESPN uh, personnel do, and that's Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, way more relevant his pending suspension, if he, will he, won't he be, then Johnny Manziel. And here we have to problem Johnny Manziel and, and Brian Hoyer, you know, Brian Hoyer by default because, you know, he's the uh, Johnny Manziel. But it's like, come on. Like, the fact of the matter that the only relevant player really, again, is Josh Gordon. And the fact that fantasy football, I know it's not about Josh Gordon as much as everyone else seems to, about Johnny Manziel, who is irrelevant as of now. It's just, 
it's disheartening. Because Josh, Josh Gordon actually is a very, 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 very good receiver, unlike and who has proven, unlike Menzel, who's done nothing, as you guys yeah, but, state is. Yeah, but, Gordon, but Gordon's suspended, so there's really nothing to talk about right now. I mean, no, he's not. What they should be talking about is this. No, he's not. He's not suspended. First draft pick. The guy that they picked eight overall. The guy that's been impressive. The guy that's going to play opposite of Joe Hayden. Justin Gilbert, his name? The receiver, the, the cornerback? Yeah. Man. Well, well, Gordon. This should be. This should be no. it's just we don't know how long. We don't, we don't know how many games, though. That's the thing. It's like been held up for the last month and a half. They appealed yeah, it. We, it's just, it's, if you want to talk about Gilbert playing opposite Joe Hayden, and that's the one that you should be talking about, I think that kind of spells out how really there's no need to we should be, the Browns yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. definitely true. Well, well, rest, rest assured, we'll, we'll be hearing about Josh Gordon in the news when they announce his suspension. He's going to be suspended. I mean, it's just a matter of whether it's going to be a whole year, eight games, what's it going to be, we don't know. Um, right. Um, but... Uh, uh, JB, I will, I will, I will reference something that you can relate to um, that our father said many times. Um, Johnny Manziel is the new Brett Favre, right? <laughs> I can't say the other words that Dad would have called him, but Jay knows what I'm talking about. That's all disrespectful to Brett Favre. What? No, no, no. It, it's actually not. It's actually not. The media loved them some Brett Favre. They loved them some Brett Favre. No, they totally did. I mean, Brett at least was uh, the greatest. I am. I please don't misunderstand what we're saying. It has nothing to do with on the field or talent. It just. I'm just talking from a media perspective only. The media right. loved them some Brett Favre. I mean, here's the guy's been retired what four years now. Mm-hmm. Right, four, maybe five, maybe he's getting his getting fifth year. You know, he's getting close to Hall of Fame time. And they were just talking about could he come back and play not that long ago, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I, I, I love him some Brett Favre. That's all I'm saying. And they love him some Johnny Manziel. That's why we're getting smothered with him. Um, right. Will. But, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to kind of focus it back to, you know, what What have we seen from either one of these two guys? Jay kind of alluded to, but Train, have, have, you know, I mean, well, I guess the first question, I think we've already addressed the first question is, and I really don't know why Manziel such a media darling and why, I mean, K-Star said that, you know, he's the new Tim Tebow. they got to have somebody. I, I don't get it, uh, frankly. But is this, I mean, Train, what do you think is going to happen in Cleveland? Do you think – uh, they've already said Hoyer's a starter, but is this kind of a, uh, you know, are we waiting? Is this wait till Hoyer? Hoyer played a couple of games last year. Overall, he hasn't really proven much. So are we just in back waiting for Manziel to get a hold of the NFL style of game, and then it's his team? What do you think? I think the I think the owner, GM, and coaches mishandled this entire situation. You came out of the draft. You said this guy's the backup. Stick to that. Let Brian Hoyer go in as a starter. It's inevitable that Tim Tebow will, I mean, that, not Tim Tebow, but Johnny Manziel is going to be your starting quarterback. We know he's going to take over at some point. You know you're going to lose your best receiver at the start. See, he's getting suspended for a year. All right, you can believe that. This is coming from Goodell. He does not play. He's getting suspended know. for a year. You're going to lose your top target. Let Hoyer play. Let him do, let him do his thing. 
Let him build his stock so possibly you can trade him off. You brought in Rex Grossman later just because you know he knows the offense. You know, you'll be a backup and got to be the greatest dude. They should have they should have stuck to the guns that they had that they said when they drafted him. He's the backup. Let him be the backup. Let him learn as the backup because he's your future. He is guaranteed to be your future. You draft him to be your future quarterback. Let him sit. Let him let him learn the offense. Let him come in with confidence and with knowledge so that he's reacting and not not trying to figure out what's going on. I think the the whole management just did a whole disservice. Just messed up that whole situation. Now, okay, hold on. Case, tell what you think. I mean, it's a sound strategy. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the bye week works well for the Browns, where it lands at week four. I mean, if Warrior forms out, goes on three, you know, they just put Manziel in and see how that terrible thing goes. And uh, it's just, yeah, the Browns definitely, the coaching staff, the front office, they really didn't put uh, Johnny Manziel in a situation which he can certainly succeed in and thrive in because, I mean, again, just the will he, the won't he. I mean, what Strain said, I totally agree with just shooting for the starter from earlier on in the preseason. You know, kill some of the controversies and the speculation. That will kill a lot of the talk initially. And, you know, Johnny could have focused on, on playing football, being Johnny football, but as a backup initially, rather than having to field questions of whether he'll start. And now, you know, what's even worse? It got to a situation where, and, and the Browns head coach, uh, Mike Pettin has made it even worse. He's actually suggested, I remember how awful this was in New York, that maybe Johnny Manziel could play at certain package situations. Do you remember who, who we heard that about? Do you remember who we heard that about last time, Ruth? And how well that went? Some people in New York. It was a disaster. What is, what is he doing? Like, what are they doing? It's just totally, totally mishandled. Awful. But I'm happy they play in the Steelers division. So... <laughs> of course you are. There's a silver lining. There's a silver lining. Uh, yeah. Well, it's all it's all it's all about the Steelers. Right. Um, about, you think, know, Trent, I think everybody's hit it on the head, though. Well, you know, I, I was just going to say that that I I agree with Train, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you really you really owe it to your team and your fans to always have a win-now attitude. And if Manziel is your better talent, I'm not saying start on week one, not saying that at all, but you sh- your whole plan should be around getting him ready to take that team. And if he's not ready now, and, he, and that means Hoyer starts, then Hoyer starts. But your whole mentality should be, around seeing if this guy can become Heisman Trophy winner, can he become your franchise, your face of your quarterback. When he was drafted, jersey and tickets, all that went through the roof. Cleveland became relevant. Doesn't hurt that LeBron James also went back to Cleveland to put some focus mm-hmm. on that city. So if, if, if you're the GM and the coach, the plan is to find out if this guy is he, you know, is he Andrew Luck or is he Matt Leiner? And that's what you mm-hmm. need to find out, you know. So I, I'd say wait, but with a plan. And the plan is, you know, you want him in there. You want him in there this year. You want him in there. I'm not even, screw all that. 
game packages. And your K-Star, I usually don't agree with you because you're usually wrong. But on this particular case, you're actually right. That that doesn't work. The whole you, no. you know when you have a mobile quarterback and you put him in for packages, we know what that means. So if I know and I'm sitting here in Bristol, Connecticut, of course the defense is going to know. So when you see Johnny Manziel sprint out on the field, you know it's going to be some sort of mobile read option type of play. You know that. He's not going to go in and just do a stand-in-the-pocket throw. That's not going to happen. So it's a waste. It's a setup. You set them up to fail. So either give them a team or put a plan together where, now if Hoyer goes in there and lights it up and the team is 102-03, well, then, hey, <laughs> you know, sorry. We, let's alter our plan. You go with the hot hand. But based on what we've seen, I don't think that's going to be the case, coupled with the fact that, that Gordon more than likely is going to be out for numerous games, whether it's four, six, eight a year. I tend to side with Train on this based on Goodell's history and that Gordon's a multiple-time offender. I think he's gone for the year. Um, but we'll see. You know, um, we, we, don't, we just don't know because – you know, Ray Rice two games. I don't. You know, I, I I didn't get that. So we. I guess we really just don't know. But plan should be for Manzo. Let's find out what this guy's got. Let's see if he, if it, you know if he's able to take over the team and uh, and do something. Um, I have a different take so, on that Ray Rice situation when it comes to the penalty. But it, the the two things that that that, I, that both that you guys said collectively. You know, uh, T. You mentioned you mentioned plan. And that's that's exactly where they failed at. Their plan was not right from the start. You know, if you wanted him to to compete, then 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 say let him compete. You know, have your plan, like, but don't 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 wish, don't 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 go back and forth. Because then you don't you don't put him in a in a situation like like K Star said. You didn't you didn't put him in a position to succeed. You you talking about Manziel? Yeah, I'm talking about Manziel. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, you definitely. made a comment about Ray Rice, and then you, I mean, and then you, sorry, I got confused. So you talk about Manzo. I'm sorry, okay. that was a, that was a, my bad. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> cool. but, but train, train is train is right on point because I I completely agree with him. I think uh, from the very beginning, this whole thing was thrown out of whack. There's always that old cliche: keep everything in house. Now, if it's going to be a, a pure open quarterback, um, uh, uh, being able to compete for that position. Make it so. Make it so that it's just an open competition. Don't come off the bat and say, well, he's going to be the backup because that's going to automatically open up the door for controversy right there. How are you going to make him the backup already when he hasn't had a chance to do anything yet? You don't know what he has. And now you've got the whole wishy-washy going back and forth now. And then the whole nonsense of, oh, well, maybe we'll have some packages for him down the road. It's all crazy. It's absolute nonsense. It's, it's pure stupidity. Started off as a competition. Leave it as a competition until the better player wins that competition. Case closed. Case closed. Because now you've got, I think, Pettit, this is his first year in Cleveland, is, is it not? Oh, it is. Oh, it is. It's first and year. it's showing, isn't it? it, it it's Ooh, yes. It, it, it's showing as if, it, as if it's his first year. And that's how you lose a locker room, too. You're oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the most important position on, on an NFL team is your quarterback. And if you're going back and forth in the media about who's going to be the starter, you're going to have players looking at the coach. Well, who is this guy? Did he ever coach one one time in the NFL? Because he doesn't know what he's talking about. 
So it's a, it's a ripple effect, and it starts from management, goes to the coaches, and now you're going to lose the team because you've got the coach who doesn't seem to know how to pick which player is going to be a starting quarterback. It, it, it has the meetings for a disaster. Exactly. He just looks like he doesn't have a plan. And, again, if you're a, one of the other 52 players that are going to be on that roster, how much confidence do you have in your got, coach who clearly doesn't have a plan? Um, it's pretty It's pretty bad. And, again, he's a first-year guy. So, uh, you know, all eyes are on him and on Johnny. But already I'm sure he's losing the faith and the confidence of the players in the locker room. And um, you know what? Sadly enough, uh, I'm sure Johnny's also losing that in himself by how he's, the situation's been handled. So it's been all bad. And then take it one step further. Talk about the whole team. The first four games, if I'm not mistaken, I think two of the four is, are uh, divisional games. So that's yep. a, mm-hmm. a tough it's a tough battle these first four games. I can't remember the team that they're playing for these first four, but I know at Pittsburgh at Week One, and uh, I believe at Cincinnati Week Two. Need I say more? Hmm. So you're already going against the gauntlet first two games of the season. Two legitimate playoff teams the first two games of the season on the road. See, me personally, I would have done everything I could to instill some confidence in Brian Hoyer because. You saw what he did last season for a couple of games when he was healthy. You want that same player back because even if you don't plan to keep him, it's nice trade bait. Get that player back. You already know you're going to give the reins to Johnny Manziel, but you also want Johnny Manziel to succeed, so let him learn. Put him in, put him in position so by the time he hits the field, he knows what he's doing. He's not hesitating. He understands. He, he, we already seen him in college. We know he's athletic. We know he knows how to move around the pocket and get, and get himself out of trouble. But you've got to learn the stuff on the next level. You've got to learn the NFL. Well, you've got to learn the playbook. You've got to learn what you're doing. That stuff is almost the higher percentage of that stuff is classroom. So if he gets that, you know, let him sit back and get that. Let Brian Hoyer succeed. You got you a trade, bait. Then boom, you got your, you got Johnny Menzel having a, a, a better chance to succeed once he hits the field. That makes sense. That's what I thought the plan was. Maybe they should have called me. They didn't call me. That's a that's a lot of ifs though. If it was a fifth, we all be drunk because we don't know. No, but how that's a plan though, right? It, that that maybe we don't even know. We nobody seems to know what the plan is. That's that's the point that we're all trying to make. Nobody knows What's, what kind of plan it is. They could sit down in the classroom and seem like they have it, and it never translates on the field. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. How does it translate on the field? I just think when I look at when I look at Philip Rivers, and when I look at Aaron Rodgers, I look at two prime examples where they sat, they learned the offense. By the time they hit the field. Success wasn't necessarily instant, but within a year, they had the reins of the team. And both of them are very good quarterbacks right now. Okay, but who did Phillip Rivers sit behind? He's, I understand who they sat behind. And who I'm did not, and who did? Well, you can't discount they sat that. Behind you, you can't discount sat that. behind Drew Brees, Drew Brees the other one, and Red Favre. Okay. I get, I get definitely two top ten all-time quarterbacks right there. Got you. I get that. But my point is, my point is not necessarily who they sat behind. My point is that while they were sitting, they had a chance to learn the offense. 
So regardless of who they sat behind, while they were sitting, they took advantage of that time to learn the offense. So when they hit the but, field, you saw the results. But train. The teams had the luxury of being able to sit them because of who they had starting. When you have I mean, a Brett Favre, but he's a first year. Mike Penn is a first year head coach. You go, you gotta take lumps in your first year. To instant success with Cleveland right off the bat? No, not in that division. Um. Well, we don't know. We don't. We, you know. Again, don't. Let's not do what we're telling our colleagues out there to not do. We don't know what his expectations are set by the general manager and, and, and the owner. We don't know. So let's not assume that he's got three years to build a team. We don't know. What we, what we do know is that he drafted a Heisman Trophy quarterback who is sitting behind a guy that hasn't done much in the NFL, had a couple of good games. So, number one, when you're sitting behind a Drew, you can't, I, I, you can't just discount that and say, well, they had time to learn the offense. They had time because there were all world quarterbacks playing on the field. So the team had the luxury of being able to say, well, you know, we've got Brett Favre, we've got Drew Brees, learn the offense and learn from these talented quarterbacks. You don't have that in Cleveland. So I don't blame him for having it be a competition. Where I do think there was a problem is it wasn't clear to me from the beginning that it was a competition. There was some miscommunication through the press. Was it a competition? Was it Hoyer's team? Was it Manzo? I was a little confused myself. For me, what I would have said, it's a competition from day one. Because Hoyer, in my opinion, has done absolutely nothing to be given a starting job. Nothing. I don't give a damn how well he knows the offense. It's about winning football games, period. So if Manziel can come in here and light it up and get, and get something done and get that team fired up and get some points and, 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 and improve that offense and learn on the fly, fine. If he can't and needs the time, fine. But you don't know that until you get in the training camp, until you get into these games, and you see what's going on. Now the ultimate decision is Hoyer's the starter, Manzo's the backup. I'm okay with that ultimate decision, but I'm going to tell you something. Your job is not to leave Manzo sitting on that bench because you don't have Drew Brees. You don't have Brett Favre on that field. you got Brian Hoyer. And, you know, if you're going to go down, go down with, you know, with your big money. Go down with the face of your franchise. And let's be frank. They didn't draft Manziel to sit on the bench. Oh, they did didn't not. do it. No. He's he going to be playing some football. He's going to be playing some football. Unless Hoyer goes out there and lights it up, Manziel's going to be playing some football. That's going to happen. And we don't expect Hoyer to light it up because, you know, we know that the Ravens and, and the Steelers in that, in that division ain't playing around. So, or the you know. Bengals. Or the Bengals. Or the Bengals, thank you. Or the Bengals. That's a tough decision right there. Man. Right. Right. Sure is. So, all right. Um, K-Star, have you been impressed? Is is there any, you know, you you pose this question of uh, impressive. Is there any team out there that has impressed you in this preseason that you said, wow, look at them? Or is there any team that you said, wow, (laughs) I don't want to look at them? Um, well, I would, I would say that uh, the Eagles, to me, looks impressive. 
more in the, their offense play, the more impressed they've gotten. And actually with their defense as well, their starting unit was pretty good. Uh, I, I just love how Chip Kelly calls the game. That guy is uh, unbelievable. But I'm also pretty impressed with um, the fact that <clears throat> that uh, as much as I can stand him, uh, how well he may be able to stand his play just that week against you. Okay, so you, you've got some... You've got some diff- technical difficulties on your side. You're, you're, it's been difficult to it's You're not coming through clearly. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I was saying that I was impressed with Philly's offense uh, so far this preseason. Uh, I've been pretty impressed uh, with – last week I was pretty impressed with Emmanuel Sanders, some of the catches he made – as much as I hate to admit it, um, I'm going to be frank, he played really well against Houston. Uh, I've been pretty just, uh, I'll put it like this, I haven't been very impressed by RG3 um, or the entire Bills offense this preseason. Both have looked pretty bad. Uh, Eli Manning's looked pretty bad this preseason as well, although he played better against um, in his third game against the Jets. But uh, for me, that's pretty much it. There really hasn't been anyone blowing me away necessarily. Uh, although, you know, Michael Sam actually has proven for I've seen that he can play. He can play in the NFL. He's uh, quite, caused quite some disruption um, playing defensive end uh, for the Rams. Like he's had quite a few sacks, a number of quarterback hurries, some blow-ups as well, um, you know, as well as... Can I, ask you, can I ask you a question? Who said he couldn't? Yeah. Who said he couldn't? Uh, I think he got lost, you know, through the political... Uh, agenda that's that's been created. Uh, I think that he you know, himself I, has, I, I, has launched. Yeah, but he was he was projected as a fourth, even possibly as high as a third round draft pick before the whole I'm gay came out. So yeah. no one said he couldn't play. This was one hundred percent political that he fell late to the to the to the. Well, I think it was the last round, right? Seventh round. Yeah, seventh round pick. Seventh round pick. Almost the last pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was 100% political. And before that, I heard fourth round, and, and frankly, knowing that the Cowboys let Ware go and uh, Hatcher was gone, I looked at Sam as someone that Dallas could use, you know, because Dallas certainly then and now needs a pass rush. So I, I said, man, we, we could get this guy, defensive player of the year and all of that. We could get him, you know. Then the whole I'm gay and all that came out, and I said, well, you know, I guess that's it. <laughs> you know, but I don't, I don't think I don't think anybody should be surprised that he could play football. I really don't. I think that's it. You know, and he's playing for a very good defensive-minded coach who's going to get the most out of him. So, yeah. um, is. so I, will, I, I will agree with this. My my big huge disappointment because I was one that got really nervous when uh, the Redskins hired Jay Gruden, and I thought. He was a great fit for the Redskins, and I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not at this point, I'm not seeing it. Um, RG3 is just, I, I don't know, I don't understand what the problem is. I don't know, I, I, I don't know enough about what's going on in Washington, but RG3 still is not looking like the RG3 we saw the year before last. He, he's no. not even close. He looks um, awful this preseason. Yeah. Well, he really does. I mean, and, and and I will just remind everybody what I said back when RG3 and Kirk Cousins were drafted. 
that there was something behind that. And even though Shanahan is gone, um, you know, Snyder's still there. And I'm, I'm telling you, don't be surprised. Because <laughs> um, he's not IG3, not Jay Gruden guy. His cousins is looking better than IG3 these days. Yeah, a lot, a lot better. Yeah, a he lot doesn't of people are starting to have a little controversy going on. There's a lot of people pulling for uh, Cousins to be the starter, believe it or not. Well, that's a little, that's a little premature for that. That's ridiculous. I think all those people are crazy. I mean, you still got to let the man play, let the man develop. It is a new offense. I mean, he's looked bad. Don't get me wrong, but, like, those people are, are ridiculous. Yeah, but why? Why is that so ridiculous? I think there's going to be some more discussion on it. I, I definitely agree that you need to give him a chance to get used to the offense, but – he has been consistent all along in this same offense that RG3 is in. He's had to learn a new well, offense, too. So they're on a starting platform the same way. He's been playing Bingo. better than RG3. So there's a reason why there's some grumblings underneath the surface. Oh, yeah, he's from the Why last year when Cousins came in, he was playing better than RG3. There's a reason for everything that's going on up until this point. So I agree that they need to give RG3 a full-fledged chance to get used to this system. However, Cousins is playing well enough to be causing a lot of this controversy. So you got to give him some credit. He's the reason why there's there's some some grumbling going on. Yeah. 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 I, I um I, I'm going to disagree. I don't think I, I don't think RG3 deserves anything more than what he's getting. You know, you have you have your starting your backup. You you install your offense. And Cousins is out playing him. And RG3, I mean, uh, let's be honest. What has he done? First year, played pretty well, got him into the playoffs. Last year. One division. Yeah, first year. Last year was horrible before he got injured. It was horrible. You know? Yep. Um, so, 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 you know, again, this, this loyalty thing I keep hearing, there's no loyalty. This is about winning football games. Now, if RG3 is your guy and, and you're committed to win or lose with him, then so be it. But Jay Gruden didn't draft him. Jay Gruden inherited him. So Jay Gruden as a quarterback guy is going to go in and, I, you know, hey, <laughs> I'm not saying that he's going to make a change, but he shouldn't be afraid to. If Cousins is getting it done and RG3 isn't, hey, I, my job is to win football games. If I think that this guy's going to win games for me, um, you know, you know, uh, uh, better than uh, you know the, the 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 current starter. If he fits the scheme better and he's more productive, hey, that's the route I'm going to go. We we see it we see it in the NFL all the time. So well, I, I would say I would say do not be surprised if RG3 doesn't show something really quick that he's sitting on that bench. Uh, RG3 was definitely not not his guy, but. Um... I refuse to believe he took that job not knowing that he needed to prepare RG3 <clears throat> offense. Because it might not have been his guy. That was definitely Dan Snyder's guy. Right. Yeah, but 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 he's got to win. He's got to he's got to produce too, though. That's my point. You got to produce, and that's why I definitely agree with your very first statement. RG3, everything he's getting right now, he's brought upon himself. Because had he taken last year, taken his time to get healthy, I think we would actually see the RG3 that we saw the first year. But he didn't. He wanted to get back to the field because he was afraid of Cousins taking his job. Damn right. That's exactly right. 
I, I don't know if that was just RG3. I, I feel like that a lot of it was the coaching staff and the Shanahan's applying pressure him as well. No, it was RG3, dude. You can, you can say anything. You can say what you want about coaches applying pressure. That guy did not want Cousins to take his job. He was drafted the same draft with him. They both came in the office at the same time, except RG is the number two, number two overall. You know he's the man. When did RG3 – hold on. Because there's some controversy. When did RG3 say he, he was coming back because RG3 went? When did the coaches at they always had nothing to do with RG3? Because I think what that is an example that he was talking about earlier were just analysts. Break up again, bro. I can't understand. Hey, K-Star, you're, 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 you need to find a spot that's clear and stay in that spot because it's not – you're coming in and out again. Yeah, While he's clearing up, let's switch gears a little bit because I think I think we're, we're sidestepping a little bit. T, I, I, I hear where you're coming from, and, and, and Train, I hear where you're coming from. I think I understood where K-Star was coming from before he started breaking up. <laughs> but I think – the, the one aspect we're, we're forgetting is how much Washington gave up to get RG3 to begin with. And because of that, they have to give him as much do as they possibly can because they gave up the whole farm system, basically, to get RG3. So it's that return wow. on investment that they got to milk until they can see the fruition from it. And if they don't have wow. a certain amount of time, then, yeah, they got to do something. But they got to give it a because of that. But, 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 Jay, I will disagree with you. I don't got to do a damn thing. The money's spent. The, tra- the draft picks are traded. It's a done deal. They got the guy. You don't have to do anything now but win football games. You can't go back three years and say, well, here's what we did three years ago, and because of that, we're going we're gonna to ride this guy and ride or die. No. He's a starter. Cousins is the backup. If Cousins is out playing him, then at some point you've got to make a decision that says, sorry, we've got to go with the guy that's going to win us some games. You can't live in the past. You spent that money. You got those. You did that. It's done now. Now we're in 2014, not 2011 anymore, 2014. Now it's about winning games. The guy's looking horrible. So, yeah, start him week one and see what he does. But you can't ride right. that too Because last year, what did they go, 3-13? Uh, uh, and 13? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's you're not afraid, though, at some point. Where, where is that point where you draw that line? Is it game two or game 12? Because if well, it's game well, two, I, I think they're okay. going to look crazy. If it's game 12, I think it's going to be a little bit more understanding. Well, game 12 is too late, though. What's the point of game 12? But, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as, as, a, as an example. They, I don't see them yanking him after two games. Well, I, I would say in, if he plays like – wait, wait, wait. If he plays like crap, okay. why? If, why? Why? What are you waiting for? If you put him oh, – if you me. have a backup – who has shown you in the preseason that he's got a grasp of the new offense and is being productive, and you give your starter a couple of games and he stinks it up, then what are you waiting for? Pride. How many, how many games do you want to lose? It's pride. It, it's pride because they don't want to look stupid. I, I hate to say I, it, but they don't want to look stupid. They want to win games. They want to win games. They don't want to look stupid either. I mean, it's stupid. I heard this on, on one of the talk shows, and I laughed because it was kind of funny because it, it talks about making an investment on something and, and coming out, coming to find out it was the worst thing they ever did, but they still got to write it out. It's like going to buy a coat that you know is not going to keep you warm enough after the first couple of times you wear it. But because you spent so much money on it, you're going to keep on wearing it just because you spent so much money on it. And it's kind of the same thing with them. 
They spent the farm on him to get him. They're going to ride him as long as he can. And I do agree with you, T. At some point, you got to say, you're not cutting the cake. We need to get somebody else in. I just don't think they're going to cut it as soon as, as, as people may think because of that. That's where I'm coming from. Well, if I will tell you this, and I will stand by this, if RG3 continues to play like he's playing now, he will not be starting that team for very long because they, they are not in a position to sit there and give games away waiting for him to produce. No NFL team. This, is a sh- this ain't basketball. This ain't baseball. You have 16 games. You give up four, you're in the hole. Look at the Giants last year, 0-6. They came on late. It was too late. You don't have a lot of time. If you got a guy that's getting it done, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna mark my words. We're gonna come back here in a few weeks, and either and either RG3 woke up and started playing well, and all is well, or if he's thinking it up, we're gonna come back and we're gonna say, oh, look what happened in the second half of that game. Look who they threw in in the second half of that game, and that's how it's gonna happen. It's not gonna be the next game. Cousins is a starter. No, 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 no. It's going to be second half of a game. They're down 14 to nothing, 21 to nothing, and RGC threw three picks and it's looking like crap. And they're going to say, uh, yeah, he tweaked his knee or something, and Cousins is going to go in. And if Cousins plays well, bye. Robert Griffin will be on the bench. Watch. Let's bring K-Star back. Hopefully he found a spot that will allow him to score on the show for a few minutes. K-Star, are you back with us? Yeah, can you guys hear me any better this time around? Yeah. That's much better. Okay, good. So we were talking about RG3 and we were talking about RG3 and Cousins and disagreement here on I personally don't think they owe RG3 anything. He hasn't done anything to deserve anything. You get a you're the starter, you get a chance to learn the offense and produce. You will be starting week one, obviously. There's no question about that. But I think he's going to have a short leash to produce, and mainly because Cousins right now looks like the better of the two quarterbacks. And when you have that guy sitting back there ready to play, fourth-round draft pick, and you go down and lose game one, game two, game three, I'm sorry, my opinion we gonna see. We could unless RG three gets in there and wins some games and does it well, then it's a moot point. But if he plays like he's been playing in the preseason, he's not gonna stay there. He's not gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna let the whole season go by. They're gonna let half the season go by. He's gonna be out of there. I just think there's a lot invested in him. And at the end of the day, I mean, I agree with you. If there were maybe 30 other teams in the NFL, I think that would be the case. But uh, this is Dan Snyder's team, and I don't know if he is so quick, or if he would be so quick to, uh, you know, let that, let that, let that happen. Let the coach really coach the team. Uh, I can see him kind of micromanaging. Like, no, RG three is playing. You want your job? Okay. Well, then RG three keeps his. Well, here's my here's here's my take. And T, I actually agree with you. But little bit, brother Jay, I actually agree with you well. Barring that you add on to the fact that what RG3 did in his first year. So it's not only that they sold the farm to get him. They actually saw him have a productive first year. They want that version of RG3 back. And we're not seeing that version. And that's why I agree with you, T. At some point, what are you going to do? 
you have the other quarterback. And if he does get a better grasp of the offense than RG3, then what do, what do you do? Yeah, but we, we talked about that on this very show after the first year, and we agreed. Mm-hmm. I, don't think Jay, I don't think Jay was a part of the crew at that time, but we agreed that once the NFL gets film on this unstoppable guy, that he will be stopped. We all sat there and said that, or at least I think me and Train did. I'm not sure that K-Star was quite on the uh, same page. I was, I was with you. I wasn't in all, all right. of and, and, and so prior to him being hurt last year, that's exactly what we saw. So once the NFL and the defense has got film and the whole read option craze that was taken over, and now what do we do? And I sat right here and I said, like everything else, the NFL will catch up. Just give it time. Well, guess what? All of a sudden now it's a passing league again. The read option is it's still there, but it's, you know, it's an option. It's no longer the centerpiece of the offense anymore, right? So now you took that away. RG3 went from throwing 70% the first year to under 60% last year, if I, if I have the statistic right. They try to, keep, they try to make him something that, he, that he's not. Now we'll see what Gruden. I had high hopes because Gruden's a quarterback guy. So I thought Gruden would really get the best out of RG3. Thus far, we're seeing him get the best out of Cousins. We're not seeing it out of RG3 just yet. Now, let me just say that I'm not saying that RG3 is going to fall flat on his face. And, 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 and fail and be benched. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if he keeps playing like he's been playing, I don't think he's going to be starting for long. I, that's all I'm saying. If he steps up and can produce, it's his team. There's no doubt about it for the reasons we've already stated. But I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. I'm not convinced just yet. You know, and the other thing I'll say about the Redskins as a whole I was speaking to my, my, my friend Mark, who's a Redskins fan. You know, Dan Snyder's very good at putting together super teams on paper that don't produce collectively, and we've seen it over and over. He went out and got, some, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Jason Hatcher, and, you know, he went and got some, some draft picks in the offseason and really tightened up that team. And on paper, they should be the most talented team in the NFC East. But, frankly, I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I haven't seen it on the field yet. So we'll see what Gruden's able to do collectively with that team. I don't know. We'll see. Um, let's um, let's transition a little bit now and talk and talk. Um, well, first let's do let's do uh, our special segments, and then we're going to and just go through the divisions and give some thoughts on who we think will, the cream that will rise to the top versus what we saw last year. But um, and for those of you out there in, in uh, football land listening, the number to call in three four seven eight three eight nine five two five. Catch us on Facebook, um, the Madden Voice, just facebook.com backslash the Madden Voice, and make sure you like the page while you're there. Uh, Twitter at the Madden Voice, and uh, you can catch us. We also have the chat room open if you're on Blog Talk Radio and um, you know want to chime in and listen. Um, but let's let's do our. Each week, each of the hosts will have the option of, of ranting or going off on something football-related, take a minute or two just to get something off their chest or to make a point. And um, I think we all have something except I think JB has, has already stated his case, although he may change his mind. He may have something he wants to get off his chest too. But first, we're going to start with Dr. Train. Dr. Train, and we, and we call this Dr. Train's philosophy. Dr. Train, the floor is yours. Uh, I think I put out there about the uh, – what was my actual title team? QB is only one position on the team. Man, there we go. There we go. That helps. So 
I understand that this position is important. I understand the leadership factor of this position. But when I see success of teams that don't have one of the four horsemen uh, as their quarterback, you know, I, I, I almost, it, it annoys me the amount of emphasis that is put on the quarterback position when you have 21 other starting positions on the team that need to be just as talented, if not more talented, for your team to be successful. And when I hear analysts just like just completely dismiss a team just because the quarterback position is around average, it 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 just throws me off because if if their defense is really really good, because I just saw a Seahawks team whose defense was just really really good carry them through the season. They had games. Last year, and the Seahawks is just a prime example, along with other uh, Super Bowl teams that won, like the Ravens, like the 85 Bears, like the early Patriots that were a dynasty. Tom Brady wasn't the Tom Brady that we know now. He was, he was good, but they had a defense at that time that was dominating, that, that knew how to take out Peyton Manning every time they met him. And it just it, 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 it just strikes me as odd how NFL analysts, whether they played or not played a game, uh, looks at a team's quarterback position and automatically like, yeah, they're, they're just not going to do well as a team. But why not? Now, I'm not saying Russell Wilson isn't special because he is. The dude just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't put his defense in the position to constantly have to fight. But he also doesn't necessarily put up a lot of points, but their defense is able to fight 60-plus minutes to keep them in the game. And it's just, if it's not a prime example that if your team, if your team as a whole is really, really good, your quarterback doesn't necessarily have to be exceptional, be average, or just above average. And you can win a Super Bowl, Eli Manning. Come on. Everyone's almost really better than his brother, never. But he played for a team where the defense all of a sudden woke up like a sleeping giant and went off. Now he has two Super Bowl rings. It just annoys me when I see how much emphasis is put on the quarterback position and the fact that if it's not average or above average, then... If if it's not above average, I put it that way. Then they, they just assume that the team will fail. Okay. okay. Does anybody does anybody want to take train to task on his position? Yeah, I do. Uh, a couple of examples to you listed weren't very good. Joe Flacco, the reason why he's a $100 million quarterback is because of how great he played during that playoff run, and that's actually what put the Ravens over the hump, not necessarily just their defense. Same with Eli Manning. He had some phenomenal playoff runs. Yes, the defense was uh, also a, a huge, if not bigger part, but Eli had to play very, very well. He needed to play better than just, you know, average. Brady, listen, Brady was great. Brady had two, two of the three Super Bowl MVPs uh, when he played. 
uh, at Carol or when he played Carolina, he torched them. When he played Philadelphia, he surely torched them. I mean, not so much the Rams when he was a uh, first year in the league or uh, first year as a starter, but he was certainly, um, while asked to do less, certainly proficient and, and very, very, very good, and uh, you know, always a an elite kind of guy, in my estimation. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent. Some teams may not be necessarily playoffs, or I'm sorry, uh, Super Bowl winning teams. But I do think in this era where it is more of a passing league, of a passing era, that, you know, you do need a really good quarterback to push you over the hump. And, you know, like I said, we've seen it recently is, is, is with the, with the uh, Ravens. And while Seattle has a terrific, terrific defense, I, I think it's fair to agree. And we, I mean, if you disagree with me, let me know. I mean, is it really that much of a stretch to say Russell Wilson's a top-ten quarterback? I don't think it is. I think Russell Wilson's terrific. I think He's that a tough, if he were, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, go ahead. My bad. No, I was just saying that I think Russell Wilson is a terrific quarterback, and that you know the reason why his numbers aren't better is only because he's asked to do less because his defense is so excellent, but not necessarily you know just because he's average. I think he's a top ten guy. I mean, again, if you disagree, um, all right, but I think Russell Wilson is is asked to do what he needs to do to win the game. I don't think it's a matter of less or more. They have, a, they have a plan on offense, and they're a very good rushing team, and they stick to that. Um, as a matter of fact, I would take your own quarterback, for example, when they won their Super Bowl. Big Ben stepped in, and he did a, he did a good job, but Big Ben was behind a very strong running game and a very, very good defense. So when I look at that, it's like you can take a quarterback – that can get the grasp of what you're doing, that can limit his mistakes, and you can have a dominating team if the rest of your team, such as your defense, your special teams, your running game, those are some of the quarterback's best friend. Those are things that allow the quarterback not to have to do so much. So it's not so much that they're asked to do less, it's that they don't have to do much. Right. Um, well, as far as thing goes, I mean, even, you know, when we first he, – he played really bad in the Super Bowl and our defense bailed him out. That's totally true. Uh, however, for us to even get there, he had a phenomenal playoff run. He had eight touchdowns and one interception during that. I mean, same thing with Joe Flacco. I just think that while, again, yeah, absolutely, you need a, a quarter defense, you need, you need all your uh, parts to really, uh, you know, the team function well and become a championship team, you still need your quarterback play to definitely be better than, than average. It has to, you know, not just be – it has to be – uh, good to very, very good. I mean, again, in this era that we're in, uh, it just it's it's what, it's what calls for it. I think even in this era, when they call it the passing league, all those teams that are, are high fly with passing yards. At the end of the day, if your defense doesn't kick in, if you're unable to run the ball, you are in trouble down the stretch. It never fails. You are in trouble. Every year it shows up. You can high fly pass all season long. But when it gets playoff time and people get locked in only, truly locked in on you, if you can't play defense and you can't run the ball, you will be sitting home. Next to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, just, let me let me just say this. As much as I as much as I hate to admit it, I, I actually tend to side more with K Star on this one. 
And, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Train. You definitely need a competitive defense. Um, I, think that, I think the Seattle example last year was, it, it, you know, that was a dominant defense. And we saw that. One of the best of all time. Right. And we saw them smack up a very potent offense with a, with, with a, a Hall of Fame, world-class quarterback, and they smacked them up. So that, that situation certainly promotes your, your ideology, but that to me is an anomaly. That's not the norm. We don't normally see that. When we look back at Super Bowl winners, we look at Ben Roethlisberger with two, Eli with two, Brady with three. We got Rodgers in there. We got Breeze in there, you know. Um, yeah, Flacco, I understand your point about Flacco, but he did have a good year that year. You know, he did play well that year, you know, and I will give him, I will give him that. You got Warner. He won the best playoff stretches ever. Yeah, he really did. You know, Elway. You know, so, I mean, I, I do agree with K-Star that. And even when I look at my own team and I look at our five Super Bowl wins, um, you know, three with Troy Aikman, Hall of Fame quarterback, and two are with um, – um, uh, Roger Staubach, Hall of, Hall of Fame quarterback. Yet both teams had dominant defenses, but Hall of Fame quarterbacks, uh, you know. So I, I think you, you still have to accept the fact that I get, I do get what they're saying when you look at a Rams team and Bradford is out and you say, oh, boy, you know, that's a big hit. Now what? You know, I, I, I get that. When you look at a Tampa team with McCown and, and, their, and, and their uncertainty, Minnesota team and their uncertainty, there are teams that have not had stable quarterbacks. And that's why I've always said that people talk smack about Romo, but I've been on the other side of that issue where you've, you have a revolving door quarterback, and it's horrible. You really need Ooh. a solid quarterback to solidify a team and to make you a contender, in my opinion. Yes, you need a good defense too, you know. But if I had the choice, frankly, uh, you know, okay, what, what, are, what are you going to strengthen first? Yeah, I'm looking at the quarterback. I, I want my franchise, all world. I want the best quarterback we can get first. Okay, we got him. Okay, boom. Now let's focus on the rest of the team. I want that leader. I want that guy touches the ball every play. Nobody on defense touches the ball every play. That guy touches the ball every play on offense. So you got to have someone that you have faith in that could lead that team. Fourth quarter, three minutes to go, you're down by four points, you need a touchdown to win. You know, you need, you need that guy that's saying, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rally, we're going to make this happen. So I don't, I just lean, I don't really think this is black and white, mm-hmm. but I lean a star position on the quarterback side, although I do get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to get you. Let me throw my two cents in, too, on that. Let me flip that coin around and talk about the Bengals quarterback, Andy Dalton, who, although got big money during the offseason, he's still that same quarterback that has been out of the playoffs first game three straight years. And the only reason why he got the money is because they're based on potential. They think he can get them over the hump, although they're not sure, and there's no one else really out there that can replace him. But to the point that everybody that I think T and and, and uh, K-Star is making, you need to have that quarterback that can get you over the hump. Granted, yes, it's one position on the team, but like we talked about earlier in this segment, it's the most important position on the team. He said it best. That's the guy that touches the ball every single time on offense. You have to have someone that knows how to make the plays, knows how to make the reads, 
and knows not to make mistakes at critical times. That's the most important position. So it's more than just one. It's the most important one. All right. Good conversation. Good conversation. All right. Let's switch over <laughs> to K-Star's, K-Star's sound off. And uh, K-Star wants to uh, talk about the preseason tombstones. K-Star, the floor is yours. Yeah, people overreact to the preseason all the time. And in fact, we might have done it on the show a little bit. A lot of people are quick to bury a, t- a player or a team for, you know, a number of reasons. But it's always because of what's happened in the preseason. You know, earlier we are discussing RG3. Um, is he going to have his job taken from him? Should he? Well, if he, you know, if he goes out there and starts playing great the first three weeks of the season, well then, I mean, we're going to look back at this conversation and kind of laugh because it was all for nothing. You know, same thing with a lot of players. Uh, that necessarily didn't start out so hot in the preseason. If their offense start out cold, come week one, and they're putting up a lot of points, are we going to remember their preseason performance? No, I don't think so. You know, we see it all the time. And as fans, it's really easy to get caught up in the moment, be prisoners of it, and, you know, simply think to ourselves, oh, well, let's forecast this and just assume that this player's going to be that guy the whole season now because he didn't look good here. He didn't look good there. Well, part of the preseason is, working out the kinks, working out the rust, and trying to develop a rapport with certain players. I mean, for instance, the, the Steelers-Eagles game. Uh, one thing I noticed was that Steelers made it a point of emphasis to try to work uh, and, and get our, our receiver that's replacing Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Marcus Wheaton, extra looks, extra passes, almost forced targets uh, to develop more rapport with Ben in live game circumstance. Whereas, typically... They would be going to Antonio Brown more as the feature guy because, you know, Antonio Brown's one of the best receivers in the league, well, the NFL last year uh, in reception. You know, and, and you just see teams sometimes deviate away from what they're really good at doing and excelling at to try certain things. And, again, I think a lot of times fans um, get caught up in the Zoom and, and wrongly forecast the team's, you know, long-term projections and how the season's going to play out simply because they didn't play well in the free season. Uh, and I think that, again, I mean, it happens every year, but it's always the same type of thing. And um, sometimes we just kind of need to, you know, take a deep breath and realize, all right, it, it is, after all, just the preseason. Good point. I, I got no issue with that. Any comments from anybody? Hit it on the head. No, nope, right. not at all. Uh, JB, last shot. You got anything you want to add or uh, you good? Actually, I do. And I'm going to entitle this one, RG3, your teammates' opinions are the only ones that count. Now, I heard on Mike and Mike Friday morning a quote from um, Herm Edwards, who I I really respect and like and enjoy listening to him. And I think, T, you'll you'll appreciate this one. He said, you're a male by birth, a man by choice. Wait a minute. You know what else he said? Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sport. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. All right, go ahead, Jay. And, and, And that's why I like listening to him because he just tells it like it is. You are a male by birth, man by choice. 
And I say that to say this. The only opinion of you that counts are your teammates. What we say here on the radio airwaves and what the uh, 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 the analysts say on NFL Network and ESPN and all these other places where they're talking doesn't matter. Don't worry about Twitter. Don't worry about Facebook. Don't worry about this so-called brand. Don't worry about that. Play football. Win games. Win the respect of your teammates. Win the respect of your coaches. Then you'll have a brand. Then you'll have people saying good things about you. But don't worry about all that. Win football games. Take care of your teammates. Take care of yourself. Listen to your coaches. Do not worry about social media. From what I hear, he seems like he just wants to be a he, He's on Twitter all the time from what I hear. He's always on Twitter. Why are you on Twitter? Do not be on Twitter when you can focus on being healthy, learning the playbook, learning routes, learning what all 11 positions are on the offense, learning what the defense is doing, being a student of the game. Not a student of Twitter. Not a student of Facebook. Not a student of building up a brand. Not a student of uh, uh, eat, eat fresh with Subway and the athletes. Ever. Don't worry about all that. Worry about football. That's what you get paid to do. That's how you got to this position in the first place, by playing football, by making big plays, being the quarterback at Baylor, getting drafted number two by the Redskins, coming in and being rookie of the year. That's what you know, football. Focus on football. That's your brand to build, nothing else. Would anybody like to respond to Brother Jay? i just say amen to that. Yeah, I definitely agree, and uh, I mean, that's actually one of RG3's biggest things. I don't understand why he's on Twitter so much, worry about other people's comments when he could be studying and working on ways to get better. All right, so I'm going to be the stick in the mud and say, how do we know that he's not? And and, and hear me out. Um, the average career of a football player is three and a half years. In that time, You've got a certain amount of earning power on and off the field. I don't have a problem with him building an RG3 brand because that window, we don't know how long that window is going to be open and you have the rest of your life to live. And I'm not going to assume, you know, it was the same thing we heard about Tony Romo playing golf in the off season, as if his playing golf um, detracted from his ability to go out there and play, yet he's the Cowboys' all-time uh, uh, pass leader in, in yards and touchdowns and, and one of the top all-time rated in the NFL. And yet he goes out and plays golf in the offseason and people have a problem with it. I would just say we don't know the amount. This is a world-class athlete. This is a guy who's a world-class athlete, as Jay well knows, in two sports, not just football but in track and field as well. World-class I heard with my old, my old event. Okay, you don't get there without having a solid, strong work ethic. So let's not assume because he's on Twitter and he's on social media and he's building the RG3 brand and doing Subway commercials and all of that and uh, Gatorade and whatever else he's doing that he's not also working hard. I don't know that he's not. And secondly, you can't discount the power of the press and the media today. We can sit here in our ivory towers and say ignore it, but let me tell you something. Skip Bayless got Tim Tebow starting in Pittsburgh. That was all Skip Bayless because Skip kept talking about Tebow day after day after day, and people were listening to Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. The next thing you know, and tell me I'm wrong, K-Star, 
Next thing you know, the fans started saying, we want Tebow, right? We want Tebow. And next thing you know, in Denver, who, who starts and who wins seven out of eight or eight out of nine or whatever? Well, all of that started with the media and the press relayed to the fans, and then next thing you know, this guy gets a job. Couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> Still can't throw the ball. But all of that pressure got him the starting position. So it's a different day today in all of major sports than it was 10 years ago, 10, 20 years ago. You can't now. Now, I get the message of play football. I get that. I don't discount that message at all. But to ask someone not worrying about building their brand, I, I, I think that they, they are a business person too. And it's 365 days in the year, and there's 12 months in the year, and you're playing football five of those 12 months. Um, yeah, you, you go ahead and build your brand. Go ahead and make your fortune. Go ahead and capitalize on whatever opportunity you can capitalize on. We wouldn't what because Peyton Manning's not on Twitter. Good lord! I mean, there was a time where I thought if I saw one more Peyton Manning commercial, I was going to throw up. What do you think he was doing? But because he's not on Twitter all the time, he gets a pass. The smart athletes are doing that. And I, the only thing in this that I will agree with, Jay, and this probably was his underlying point, is don't let that affect your on-field performance. Now, that I don't know. I don't know how hard he's working at the football stuff versus all the other. I don't know because I'm not there with him day in and day out. So I don't know. And if it is interfering with his football focus, then there is a problem. I don't know that it is or isn't. If that's the case, there's a problem. But I don't blame anybody for going out there trying to make all the money they can make because he's already had knee injuries and problems. You don't know how long you got left. One hit away from no more football, and then what do you got left? So go out and get your endorsements and your business deals and, you know, get your Gatorade contracts and Nike and all. Like, oh, go, Subway and anybody else that wants you. Go on. Make all that money because that window is short. It's, it's short. So my opinion. All right, my 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 topic is a sad one. You know, every year we make predictions, and we're going to talk about divisions in a couple of minutes. And um, I'm very optimistic every year. You know, we 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 over in, in in Dallas land always have a solid offense, and always feel like you know we're productive. And for three years in a row. The Cowboys were one game away from winning the division. So you can't say that, you know, the team was horrible and they, they could have won the division. Each year they had a shot at the last game of the season to win the division. Now, unfortunately, they didn't pull through, but they were at least in the opportunity to win their division. Not just get in the playoffs, but actually win their division, which means you host a, a, a playoff game in the first round. They had that opportunity three years in a row. Um, I watched them play. And, I, you know, I have no optimism this year. Um, the offense will, will do fine. The offense will keep the Cowboys competitive. But I see no – no, and, and Rod Marinelli is exactly who I wanted as defensive coordinator. But you got to give him – you got to give him something to work with. And, you know, Sean Lee, out for the season. Okay? That's our starting middle linebacker. He's done. He's already gone. DeMarcus Ware, we already know, traded. Went out and got another DeMarcus, DeMarcus Lawrence, right? Defensive end. 
He's out three to eight weeks. Devontae Holloman, who was going to have an expanded role at linebacker. He's out of football. Had a neck injury, left football. Orlando Skandrick, starting slot to corner. You have Morris Claiborne and Brandon Carr as your starting corners, but slot, and he's as good as you're going to find the NFL covering the slot. Suspended for four weeks. Matt Johnson, linebacker, been waiting and waiting and waiting. We don't even know what his status is. Had a lot of high hopes. Don't know. Guy Henry Melton, I believe he came from the Bears. Mm-hmm. He's back. He's on the team. We don't know. Is he going to be ready to play? Josh Brent's still on the roster. Now we got to wait and see if Roger Goodell's going to suspend him. He's the one that had the Jerry Brown vehicular manslaughter. And, um, you know, it looks like the NFL is going to impose some kind of suspension before he can play again. Anthony Spencer is back on the PUP, physical and able to perform. This is a guy that will get you 10, 12 sacks if he's healthy. Well, he's on the pup list, so we may not see him for up to six weeks. You know? And, I mean, I can go on and on. There's others. There's McLean, um, you know, um, a, a guy that couldn't walk a few years ago, backup defensive end, Okoye, has, has a lot of potential. Don't know where, where you know, don't know where he's going to be. I mean, it, it, it seems like every year the defense is battered and injured and something, and I don't understand why. And now it's just usually it's during the season that it gets decimated. Cowboys had more defensive players on their roster last year than any other than every other team in the NFL. On the defensive line alone, they started 17 defensive linemen last year. Just on the defensive line. There's only four that play. It started 17 last year because of injuries. And you can't say that it's the strength and conditioning coach because the strength and conditioning coach has six Super Bowls, three with the Cowboys back in the 90s and three with the um, Patriots. So this guy knows what he's doing. So with all that said, I'm going into this year with zero optimism, and I'm just going to wait and see. And this has nothing to do with preseason. To K-Star's point about Tunso, this just has to do with knowing this team and feeling zero optimism. Here's why I will agree with Train. We've got a top ten quarterback. At some points, I've considered him a top five quarterback, but definitely a top ten quarterback in my opinion. But we've got a, 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 a horrible defense, just horrible. And thank God we're in the NFC East, uh, sometimes called the NFC Least, the Giants aren't looking very good, even though they're 4-0. They're not playing well. They, I don't know how they got to be 4-0 in the preseason. Like I said, what's preseason mean? We've already talked about the Redskins. And, I, you know, the Eagles, I mean, we'll see. You know, they, they look like the cream of the NFC East again, but we'll see. And those teams beat up on each other all year anyway, so we'll see. But I, I am telling everybody I'm not optimistic, and I wish I could be. The injuries are a big problem. Marinelli's a great defensive coordinator, did a great job over in, in Chicago, but he still needs players. And um, you can only you – know, there's only so many, you know, people you can get off the street and, you know, you can only recycle players so many times. There's a reason why when you go grab a guy to play that he was available in the first place. So we'll see, but I, I don't have any optimism. Jay, Jay. I mean, you know, am I am I am I am I speaking for you too here with the Cowboys, or do you are you more optimistic than I am? No, pretty much. I mean, you think about the last three years going eight and eight, and then obviously last year with 
the worst defense on record ever, if I'm not mistaken. And now you're going into another year without Sean Lee, without DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Lawrence. I think it's, it's, it sounds like it's more along the line of closer to the eight weeks than three weeks uh, with his injury. Uh, you, you touched on how, I mean, you touched on all the points where it, no matter what kind of defensive coordinator you have, if you don't have the bodies, it's not going to make a difference. So, I mean, you and I can go out there and line up and have a better chance than, than what's going on right now. It's just that bad. So, it, as we talked about earlier with, with Train's statement about the quarterback and then branching out into offense, defense, and special teams, that's what it takes to win football games. They have the offense. It may have special teams, but there's no defense whatsoever. So, if they can even get six wins, I'll be happy with that, even in the NFC East. So, yeah, you speak for me, too. I don't have a whole lot of optimism just because of all the injuries that we're seeing. Hopefully, these young guys will, will step up and, and take on a bigger role and, and start to produce a lot more sooner than later. But that's just hope. You know, keep hope alive, as you always say. That's about all we can do. Yeah. Well, six wins won't make me happy. I I, I would never. I, there's, none of, there's, there's no, you know, every year. The one reason I've been a Cowboy fan is that there's no such thing as a rebuilding year. There's no such there's no such thing, particularly under Jerry Jones. I will I will I will give him this much credit for all of the crap that people give Jerry Jones. You don't hear about him rebuilding and taking a year. Every year, the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and that is the goal this year is to go win a Super Bowl. I just don't think they have they don't have the tools. They don't have the parts, and it's bad. It's bad this year. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm not talking about rebuilding anything. I'm just talking about reality. And reality is yeah. they're not going to get the eight wins that they've gotten the last few years just based yeah. on what we're seeing with this decimated defense. That's really where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying if I, I still, as a fan, want to see this team compete and try to get in the playoffs. And if that happens, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. No matter whether you won eight, six, four, ten, you need to get the playoffs. You don't get playoffs. I'm disappointed. I'm I I don't. I'm just saying my expectations, unlike previous years, are nowhere this year. I have no expectations of them playing well. I think the only shot they have is they have a fantastic offensive line. Although Romo got sacked three times last week, but the potential is there for a very solid, strong offensive line. And if they can control time of possession and run the ball and you know, there, there is a chance that they can protect their defense for a little while. But yep. that's, that's I mean, what I'm As long as you play the game, as long as you play the game, there's always a chance. There's yeah, always there's a chance. chance. Yeah, yeah, there's a chance. Not a big one, but there's a chance. And I get my hopes up. All right. Now I get my hopes up. All right. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk. Yeah, we're going to keep over that. Let's talk divisions. <laughs> let's start with the AFC East. We've got the Dolphins, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Bills. Uh, let's start with, uh, and, and mainly your, your thoughts on the division. It can be, you know, uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on who's going to win the division, and if you have any other thoughts on who might stink it up. Um, but we'll start with with uh, the AFC East, and let's go ahead and go with uh, K Star. Yeah, for me, um, obviously the, the the Patriots are the favorites, and for me they are too. Uh, and honestly, I think this is. <clears throat> this is a runaway, and I think that the Jets will actually be pretty, be pretty competitive. They'll give players or teams problems. I don't think they're going to give the Patriots problems. Um, the Bills, you know, they uh, 
they have some nice pieces on offense. They have Timmy Watkins. I still think that C.J. Spiller can can be okay um, if utilized right. You know, Fred Jackson has some good running backs Samuel, uh, and receivers, uh, Robert Woods, and it's solid defense. And, you know, th- then there's the Dolphins. Um, new offensive coordinator from Philly, uh, the Chip Kelly under Ling. Uh, you know, I see improvement from Ryan Tannehill. But for me, again, these are teams that, while they can improve, they're not going to be able to mess with New England. And it's because New England's defense with the with the Reva signing, with the Brandon Browner signing, uh, with them getting players back healthy like Wilfork and Mayo, and, you know, the continued development of Chandler Jones on from the outside. And then, you know, I feel like this. When you give Bill Belichick a Revis-like player, you're basically giving him Ty Law 2.0 for the scheme he wants to run. You're allowing him to to actually, you know, take away certain players' best uh, best opponent without having to utilize all of his resources like he normally would do. The biggest thing about New England is over the years they've always been, you know, very good and effective at taking away, you know, where the team's strength would be. But again, um, it was to the detriment of of uh, a lot of drives and, and scoring uh, opportunities because you know the other players in which that weren't um, keys for them necessarily, but you know the other teams would look to exploit. Uh, you know, we saw that with if you, take, if you take this long, if you take this long to point out the obvious, we're never going to get through all eight divisions. This is a, this is. All right, I'll just play this. Okay, you're right. All right, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just I'll put like this. I'll put, the reason why I went on long tangent is because for me the Patriots are honestly the favorites of the AFC. So I have a lot to say about them. Yes, Patriots, easy. Yeah, but let's 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 let let it let but let but the Ty Law Darrell Revis comparison. Are you kidding me? Ty Law was a solid player, but he wasn't. He's not Darrell Revis. Come on, man. Come on now. Well, that's making that's making my point. You said, right. Yeah, but you said Ty Law. You wait, I just 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 be clear. You said Darrell Revis is Ty Law 2.0. Come on, man. That, that's an upgrade, man. It's an upgrade, man, and an upgrade. the bigger the bigger the bigger picture the bigger picture there is just the fact that he has an actual legitimate cornerback to use for first time since Tyler. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, I would even I would even put them in the same. Tyler was solid, but he did not Darrell Revis at all. That's all I'm saying. He's not Darrell Revis. That's all I'm saying. Um, and, and, he, and he fit good in that scheme that they had. You know, Tyler did, but anyway, he didn't do much when he left. Anyway, um, can I? Can we just? And I, I'm not trying to rush us, but sometimes, to me, this is a slam dunk because K-Star really went into a lot of detail. Pittsburgh, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, New England has a stronger defense now than they did last year, and they won the division by four games. They're 12-4. and four. Um, You know, the Jets may have a, a competitive defense. Their offense is going to be a mess. And, you know, Geno Smith, he got ways to go. Michael Vick, I mean, I don't even know what to say about Michael Vick. Dolphins, Bills. I mean, if you guys disagree, speak up. If not, I want to move on. But to me, Patriots, again, pretty much like last year, they, they won the division by four games, and I think it'll be about the same this year. Is it either of you guys disagree, K-Star, I mean, um, Train or, or JB? I, I don't see any of those truly being a contender to the Patriots. <laughs> Just move on. Just move on. Right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Let's move on. Um. So, so we'll give K-Star a minute on this next division, and I'll start with him because this is his division, um, and it is a fairly competitive division. So, K-Star, why do you think your Steelers will win the uh, AFC North? <laughs> well, uh, you know, the Steelers for haven't missed the playoffs, uh, you know, after having two, you know, seasons in a row, uh, failing to make it uh, since 2000. You know, every year 
Steelers typically have been perennial playoff players, but now, you know, I'll put it like this. The Steelers had a really good draft, like an, an exceptional draft. Ryan Shazier, yeah, I failed to mention him earlier because I didn't want to sound like a homer on players who were really impressed, but he came out and dominated uh, when he when he played uh, week two of the preseason. And, you know, he's a guy in which doesn't start very often for the Steelers or for uh, – as a rookie, Dick LeBeau does not play rookies at all, and he instantly was inserted in the lineup. So we're getting speed on defense. We added Mike Mitchell, another hard-hitting safety from Carolina. We drafted three archer. You know, Le'Veon Bell is in the second year uh, in in the offense uh, and in the league. The offensive line is getting better. We're getting Marquise Pouncey back. David Cash was back. You know, we still have an elite quarterback. We have an elite quarterback, and we have an elite receiver in Antonio Brown. Now, I like our experience over uh, the other teams. Uh, you know, people were saying we're getting old, we're getting slow. I think we fixed that problem. I think that while the, the uh, Bengals have a really good team, Andy Dalton still at times hampers their ability to win some big games. Uh, you know, the Steelers have given the Bengals problems the last couple of years, and we were a playoff team. Uh, the Ravens, I think, will be very good, very competitive. Uh, but, again, I didn't really see a lot of growth from them. Not a lot of moves have impressed me. They have some running back issues of their own. Um, and, you know, the Browns to me are a joke. But I just don't feel that the Steelers aren't in favor to win uh, this division. We have Big Ben, the best quarterback in that division. Uh, and, again, some – That has nothing to do with the fact that you guys – Well, 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 well. I mean, <laughs> I, I know you're picking the Steelers because you're a Steelers fan, but don't be delusional and say, I don't understand why the Steelers aren't favored to win a division. You guys coming off an 8-8 eight and eight season, and how many games did you lose in a row with Big Ben starting? I mean, come on now. You guys didn't play very the, well. The first few, the first, yeah, but the second half of the season, we were 7-1. and one. We were great down the, down the well, stretch. Well, I'm sorry, but I believe that I believe it's a 16-game season. Right, and it's going and to carry how, over. How many did you, what, okay, that's a, that's, that's a hope. How many? <laughs> it's not a hope. How, I many did you, how many did you lose to start the season with? Oh, and what was it? Oh, we started off 0-4. Okay, all right. So, well, I mean, I mean. You know, and you lost the division by three games. So let, let's let's not live in fantasy land. If I don't understand why the Steelers, right. the Steelers, of course, are favorite. I don't, okay, yeah. here's a, here's a good reason. And, we had the best division, despite two, all that. The Steelers two, had the best. Don't you have two running backs facing suspension for marijuana use? No, no. The Steelers said they will not suspend them. The Steelers have said today that they will not suspend them. And, and I will oh. say that here's a here's something that is factual for you. The Steelers had, in spite of all that. Despite their, re- their early struggles in the season, the best division record of any team in the AFC North last year. And that's uh, bro, if Steelers don't suspend him, yeah. Roger Goodell will. He better play. Okay, well, he'll, he can do that next year. That's cool. But he, he can't this year. So, so I'm at Why can't he? Why, why can't he do it this because year? Because they have to always allow the legal system to take place first. The lawyers will push us back until after the season like they normally would do. Um, just like what happened with uh, uh, last year. Uh, I forget the player's name. Uh, but there are recent examples of some players where it got pushed until the next season. It typically doesn't happen in the same season. Not once it's close to it. They always let you know some play itself out first. Once again, it's a, that's another hope situation. You hope it gets pushed back to the next season. It will. Saying. Well, we'll see. Um, I got to tell you, though, um, I mean, I guess if if, the Steelers have said we're going to wait for due process and then make a decision. I'd say fine. If they're if you're saying they already said they're not going to suspend them, I, I, I'm very disappointed in your coach because I have a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin, and they, I don't yeah. agree with that at all. 
they, they said that they'll handle it in-house. So I think that could mean that maybe they'll deactivate them and not officially suspend them. I don't know. But that they said that they'll handle it in-house. So whatever that means. Okay. Well, they should be – I mean, if they say let's wait and go through the legal system first and then based on, you know, what the legal system produces, then we'll make a decision. I'm okay with that. Um, but – there's there need you were and you know stupidity on on your two running backs part. I mean, you know you, you're smoking that much weed that the cop actually could see the smoke coming out of the car. They're ridiculous. Anyway, um, <laughs> but they should be they should be yeah they should be penalized. Um, they should be penalized. Um, anyway anyway so we we know the Homer pick was going to be the Steelers. Do uh, train? Do you have a different take on the AFC North? Uh, as far as this division goes, I, I still like the Bengals. I still like the Bengals. I don't get when you say you don't see how the Steelers aren't a sure fire. Um, I do understand momentum when a team finishes off. You know, there can be carryover, but the game still has to be played. And at the end of last year, they didn't make it. You know, um, regardless of how they played down the stretch, they they didn't make it, and the other teams, you know, Ravens and Bengals, are still returning strong with with a lot of their players intact. And the Bengals, you know, they were there at the top. They were there at the end. They won a division. I I consider them a very strong favorite to do it again. Yeah, and let me just and let me add that the Steelers were three and two. Down the stretch, so were the Ravens three and two. Bengals are four and no, down the stretch. Hold on, I, I, reference the whole second half, not just a little tidbit of it. Second half, see, there's eight games in the first half, eight games in the second half. I said down the stretch. I didn't say second half. I said down the stretch. The Steelers were three and two. The Ravens were three and two, and the Bengals were four and one. Okay. So Guess who that one loss was too, below. Guess who that one loss was too. The same. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you're saying it was to the Steelers, which is fine. I think that no one's saying the Steelers are going to suck, and no one's saying the Steelers won't be competitive. The Steelers, Ravens, and Bengals will be competitive. What we're saying is it's not a fair to complete that your team's going to run away with it. And I, right now, I'd go with the Bengals. I just think that I think there's a reason that they kept Marvin Lewis one more year. I think Dalton needs to show and prove. He, he had some good games, and there was a couple of – there was some, yeah, there were some issues there, okay? Um, so right now, my, my money would go on the Bengals. And don't sleep on the Ravens. Don't sleep on the Harbaugh. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually more worried of the Ravens this year than I am the Bengals, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, 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 and remember that the Bengals 8-0 at home last year. It's hard yeah. to beat a team that doesn't lose at home. It's hard, it's hard to beat. That team, it's hard to win a division against a team that doesn't lose at home. Eight and zero at mm-hmm. home, that's huge. That's huge. Um, JB, any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm with you and, and train on this one. I'm, I'm thinking Cincinnati. Uh, I think I think this has to be the year that that uh, Andy Dalton gets him over the hump. I mean, he's got the, the paycheck now. He's got the experience. He's got to get them over the hump, and they have enough pieces in play where they can win that division again. So the Steelers will be competitive. Uh, the, the Ravens will be competitive. The Browns, I mean, they, they, well, we'll just move on from there. But uh, it's going to be the Bengals. I, I take them. 
Pack. Um, AFC South. Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just throw this out here, and if you guys think I'm wrong, then let's talk about it. I think the Colts run away with this division again. Um, I, I'm not seeing anything in Houston that has me worried about the Texans becoming a contender again. The Jaguars are horrible. The Titans are horrible. I think, um, my opinion, I think the Colts are going to run away with this division again. Uh, if any of you guys disagree, speak now or forever hold your peace. I agree the Colts win the division, but I do think Houston makes it close. I think they'll be a lot better than what people uh, think with Clowney and Watt. I think that defense reemerges as a top five unit, but we shall see. <laughs> this this is what I find funny. Dr. Train's philosophy keeps popping up as you catch with as this show continues. Because here I say you need a defense, and yet you say, oh, why? That be enough. Tony, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, that quarterback play is atrocious. And that's why it won't be enough. That's what I just said. I said I don't think it'll be enough, but I do think that they'll be enough. Not even going to make it close. Okay. A train. Yes. Who's the quarterback for Houston? <laughs> it doesn't matter who the quarterback for Houston is. <laughs> oh man, I fell into that one. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. Um, you know, and and. And, and and it's funny because honestly I don't even know who the quarterback for Houston is. Um I'm not sure why. <laughs> Sadly I do. And it's, it's kind of not much I follow, but Fitzpatrick. Oh, Fitzpatrick, okay, yeah. Well there you go. Um I think <laughs> I think I think Clowney and Watt will have great statistical years. I don't know that that translates into the Texans' defense being a dominant defense, though. But I think that the play will be disruptive. I expect those guys to be man-children on the field and really be beast mode, you know, and I mean that. But I just don't know. I don't, I don't know that that defense as a whole is going to make that big of a difference. But, you know, they were 2-14 last year, so. You know, it really is only one direction they can go. So, But that said, I think we all agree on the Colts, so let's just move on. Yep. Um, um, AFC West, very interesting division. Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders. Um, I'm just going to start off, and this one I will allow some discussion on because um, this was a division that had three teams make the playoffs last year. This was a division that had a team start off uh, I believe they went as far as 8-0 or 9-0, the Chiefs, last year before a semi-collapse, and K-Star called them a fraud. Um, this was a team that had the Broncos um, get home field through the playoffs, go into the Super Bowl, and then get smacked like like yesterday's news by the Seahawks. Um, and then this is a team that – this is a division that has a, a, a Phillips Rivers – led San Diego Chargers, and I have never been a Phillips Rivers fan, ever. I don't like him, but he can play quarterback, especially if he's on. If he's on, he can play in spurts as good as any quarterback in the NFL in spurts. He just can't do it for 60 minutes, but he can do it in spurts. So you got to respect that. If he's hot, he's as good as anybody in the league. So that said, you got to consider the vision to be wide open. My personal opinion um, is the Broncos, and I think John Elway is showing 
the difference between a general manager that was a champion and a general manager that may have been a business person or may have just been a good, decent player. This is a guy who hmm. went to five Super Bowls and won two, and he understands. He's showing us that he under he immediately went and addressed their issues hmm. with the signings that they made, including my very own Demarcus Ware. Okay, I mean they went out and said, okay, we need to pick up this defense, and that's exactly what they did. Um, so they are definitely. Will it translate on the field? We will see. Um, and, and I will tell you this. While I didn't think Peyton Manning's um, going after the defensive back when he hit Welker was the right thing to do, I think Peyton was out of bounds for doing that. I like the fact that this 15-year veteran is still in a preseason game, is still at that level. That's the only thing I got out of that positive for Peyton Manning is here's a guy who after 15 years and neck injuries and all of that, and he's still – that showed hunger to me. You know, mm-hmm. you hurting, you hurting an a, a integral piece of my offense. It wasn't so much to me about a, a, a dirty head or whatever. To me it was about Peyton's thinking, I need Wes Walker, okay? You're taking <laughs> something away from me. So I'm going to let you know you can't do that. And I'm like, okay, Peyton wants the Super Bowl bad. Peyton's tired of hearing that Eli's got two and he's got one. He's tired of his arch rival, Brady's got three and I've got one. And he's embarrassed that he went up against one of the best defenses for one season of all time and got smacked, got embarrassed. And so Peyton is on a mission. So for that reason, I'm going with the Broncos hands down to win the division. Um, JB? Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that the Broncos have done en- enough to, to fall off that perch in the AFC West. I do think, however, uh, between the San Diego and Kansas City, I think a healthy Phillip Rivers and a healthy Ryan Matthews can do a lot of damage in that division. They may actually uh, fight for second place with Kansas City. But overall, I'll take the Broncos just because of the the issues that they addressed on defense, and, and I do agree with you also uh, that hunger that Peyton had that's going to uh, go right through the rest of the team. I think they want to get back to that Super Bowl and win it. Okay, Star? I mean, Harley, you're basically saying, like, hey, it's the ASC of the Patriots, let's wrap it up. I think for me this is a wrap-it-up situation. The Broncos win this division easily. I think the Chargers will be good. But I think, again, we're just about how Peyton's already at that level. And, you know, that, that chip on the shoulder and a sense of urgency, I mean, the whole team has that. And um, I think that, again, with them being as talented as they are, uh, it, it, the Broncos win it pretty easily. Trey? Uh, I concur. Uh, Broncos, yet example, another example of Dr. Train's philosophy that you need a defense, and that's exactly what John Elway did. Go Broncos. <laughs> you going to keep going at Dr. Train's philosophy out of it. So the only problem is they have Peyton Manning, though. So they don't actually fit your philosophy. Yeah, exactly. it, it does fit my philosophy. Peyton Manning was uh, sitting at home watching them hoist the trophy because he needed some defense and help. Well, Just Peyton saying. Manning was also in the Super Bowl playing against one of the best defenses in, of all time. So, 
Uh, Rex Grossman was also in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying the criteria that you laid out there didn't it wouldn't have included Peyton Manning in that. That's all I'm saying, man. Yeah, Rex Grossman was in a Super Bowl and couldn't get it done, and y'all had a great defense. What's your point? Yeah, yeah. You were it there. All, it all is my point. It all is my defense. point is that you need a whole team. That is my point. That's been my point. Yeah. Um, you need all cylinders, man. Um. I think I think I think to some degree you're right, but I think that we have enough we have enough evidence of superstar quarterbacks doing very well. As a matter of fact, everybody I, well, I won't say everybody, that's not true. Most people, as good as Seattle defense was, who was a favorite in that Super Bowl? It was, it was the Broncos. Why? I get because the Broncos. Right. So 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 what I'm saying is. If historically the defense is what does it over a great offense, why was everybody picking Peyton Manning and the Broncos to beat Seattle? <laughs> doesn't mean everybody's right, D. I, but no, uh, everybody just because who they well, pick doesn't mean doesn't mean well, they're right. Well, you're, you're, you're missing my point. Obviously, we already know that everybody was not right. The reason is okay. what I'm saying that historically, historically, the offense will beat that defense. That's what I'm saying. And when you look, I don't at the believe that. Back, I don't even think that's historic. That's not. That's not historic. But I would rather well, table that so I can do my no, research. No, no, no. I, I, listen. The thing is that you need well above average quarterback play to to win the Super Bowl. And you know the trend though first over that. That's the outlier. That's the exception to the rule. Those are the rare instances. Not you need really good quarterback play to win the Super Bowls. We've seen it. Case in point. Quarterback play or quarterback. There's a difference between the two. Quarterback play. So you, they, we brought up Joe Flacco earlier. He had one of the best playoffs of all time. That makes the point that we're saying. You, you, yeah, you can have average quarterback, but they, they have to play really good to win the Super Bowl. So. All right, quarterback play. All right. Yeah. All right. NFC East. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Train, NFC East. Just, this is a tough one, man. Um, as much as I don't have optimism for the Cowboys, not that I'm about to pick them, um, with the way the division pan out, just hope it's not completely lost. <laughs> but if I had to pick a team right now that just looked like they're ready to win that division, I would have to go with the Eagles. Uh, the Giants are a close second for me simply because they are just the one team in the division that seems to hit a switch at that can hit a switch every three years because for some reason they need to they need to sleep for at least three years before they realize that it's time for them to win some games and then all of a sudden they're they're a whole different team. Um, but if I just had to pick a team just based off what I've seen thus far and based off how they finished the end of last season, I would I would have to go with the Eagles. K-Star. Eagles. I believe in Chip, Chip Kelly. I believe in Nick Foles. Shady McCoy and that offense will carry the way and uh, win the NFCs. JB. Well, I don't think it's going to be the Giants, even though they went 7-3 and three in the last 10 games. You know, we talked about momentum carrying to the next season. Well, so far in the preseason, they look awful. And um, 
I think it's really the Eagles' division to uh, to take. Yeah, three Eagles. We had Commissioner T's um, uh, segment earlier, uh, where I said I had no optimism, and I said that the Eagles look like the cream of the division, and it would make sense that I would now make it unanimous and pick the Eagles like I did last year when we did (laughs) and I am here to tell you over my dead body am I going to pick the Eagles to win the division I'm sorry I can't do it I have to I have to now show my team some faith it might be misplaced it might be miscalculated but I talked myself into coming back around and pushing for my Cowboys with the last two or three sentences of my rant earlier where I said one of the better offensive lines in the game, at least on paper, DeMarco Murray's healthy, Lance Dunbar is back, Romo's healthy, Witten, Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, Gavin Escobar, John Hanna. I'm, I'm saying top five NFL offense control the ball, protect the defense. Some of these injured players, let's get to the midpoint. I think the bye week is, uh, I want to say week nine. Let's get to the bye week. Let's get to the bye week at five and three. And then maybe, maybe, just maybe, something might happen. I got to go with my Cowboys. I got to have faith in that offense being strong enough while the defense recovers and heals because there are players that are hurt that will be back. And Rod Marinelli is trained to tell you, gets the most out of his defensive players. And this is his first year, even though Monty Kiffin is a consultant, or whatever the hell that means, this is now Rod Marinelli's defense. Um, So I'm going to go pick my Cowboys. It's not going to be easy. And good money does say the Eagles, but I still don't believe in Chip Kelly. I don't, and I damn sure don't believe in Nick Foles. I do believe in Shady McCoy. The guy's the, guy the truth. Okay. Yeah. But I don't believe in Nick Foles, and I don't believe in, in Chip Kelly's gimmicky scheme. And I think I think teams are going to catch up this year, just like we've seen in previous years with other teams that had gimmicky schemes. I think we're going to see it this year. So it worked. Oregon, blah, 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 you came over, you had a nice little thing with Falls and all that, I get it. Vic early in the year before he got hurt, and then Falls comes in, plays really well. But I think now we got film on Falls, film on the scheme. I think it's not going to be a runaway for the Eagles, my my opinion. Go Cowboys. All right, NFC North, let's go to Dr. Train. And to remind everybody, probably about the tightest division race of, of, of the whole NFL. And the Packers, by half a game, edged out the Bears um, to to get into the playoffs. Packers were eight seven and one. Bears were eight and eight, and the Lions were seven and nine. Um, and all teams were within three games of each other. So again, to the tightest division in football. Uh, train. I, I, I'm not going to assume you're going to pick the Bears. I I, I would only do that with uh, K Star. But who do you pick and why? You know, in all honesty, I was really about to say Green Bay until you did what you just did with the Cowboys. 
<laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> Why should I hand the rings over to Green Bay, especially after we came so close last season? Yes, I understand Aaron Rodgers was injured. And, yeah, it did play a factor in how Green Bay won games. But the Bears did get better as far as talent-wise for defense. Can the defense play cohesively? I've yet to see it completely. I mean, it's a long season. So uh, I would love to see the defense turn it on second half of the season like I've seen the Giants defense do in the past when they, you know, just were having to come out of nowhere and make their Super Bowl run. But, but, you know, I have all reason to be fairly optimistic about Chicago winning that division uh, no matter how close. And it's going to be close. It's not going to be a runway at all. It's going to be close. Yep, I know Detroit is right there. Yep, Green Bay is right there. And honestly, as long as Adrian Peterson is the running back from Minnesota, we've seen what this man can do <laughs> by himself. And Matt Castle's play has been uh, fairly okay, fairly solid. Uh, for a quarterback to just get the ball to the receiver. So with that said, I, I, I'm going to roll with my Bears in a very close division race. And, you know, I'm going to just say this to defend train. You, your team, like my Cowboys, have been getting really beat up in the press. Uh, a lot of comparisons are made to the Bears and the Cowboys, solid offenses, questionable defenses. Um, and while I may agree, um, I, I think your team could do very similarly to what, what, I'm, what I'm saying my team can do. You know, with Cutler and your, your offense, very prolific offense, I might add, Forte and and Marshall and Jeffries and you, you guys can put some points up. Y'all can do what you guys can do exactly what I'm saying. My Cowboys can do. Your def, your offense can buy your defense time to get healthy, get some players back on the field, and be competitive. So you know, kind of what K Star said. Now I'm going to agree with. Let's not let's not do the preseason tombstone on these teams. And I and I think to. Um, just dismiss the Bears prematurely, it's just not fair. Now, that said, I, I can't pick the Bears. I think your team can, will be there, just like I think the Eagles will be there in my division. Um, but I, but I, I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time going against the Packers with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. So I think the Bears will be there. But I have to go right now, since I'm not a Bears fan, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Packers and take that division. Um, K-Star. You guys call me Homer. Call me Homer. Um, for me, it's Green Bay. Uh, I like what Detroit's done. I, I love Chicago's offense, but I hate that defense. The defense is awful. And, you know, I've seen improvements from uh, Green Bay. They they brought in Julius Peppers to give uh, an outside rush with presence with uh, Clay Matthews. I think that will help, you know, add to some guys through the drafts, as to the other three other teams. But, I mean, Green Bay, again, Aaron Rodgers, he, he's primed for a big year. Especially when he plays the Bears, he might drop 50 on you guys. You guys are the ones that hurt him. Um, and you know Eddie Lacy, they're they're balanced, and they can control a team. They can control a game with their run game with Eddie Lacy. You know they can really beat him in a lot of different ways. Uh, and their defense is again better than the Bears in my estimation. Uh, and you know Minnesota, they're fun to watch. They're cool. You know Adrian Peterson's the man, but I don't think they have enough of the quarterback spot when I like Green Bay. JB? 
I know I'm tired and call me delusional, but I'm actually going to take Detroit in this one, um, and it's going to be real close between Detroit, Chicago, and Green Bay. I just think first-year coach Caldwell is going to be able to have some type of positive influence on the defensive side in terms of, of, of accountability and, and being able to restrain themselves from constant 15-yard uh, unnecessary roughness penalties. If they can really solidify that back end of the defense and play well, that offense is, is stout. I mean, you've got Stafford, you've got Megatron, you've got uh, Reggie Bush, you've got uh, uh, Ebron, I think, as the, the new tight end there. Uh, they've got weapons on offense, and if they can play the way they're capable of playing on defense, I think they're going to surprise some folks a little bit and sneak away and take that division. It's going to be close, though. Jay, that's, that's not a bad pick, not as sports as out of there. Not at all. It's not a bad pick at all, and I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with you that Detroit could make some noise. They got a lot of talent, and like I said, as long as Source was a coach, I had no worries about Detroit going anywhere. My only problem with Detroit, though, is I, I don't know that Matt. And let me see what Matthew Stafford produces now, because I've always yeah. felt like as a leader, like he was, a, he's he statistically. Having Megatron, of course, and now Reggie Bush, and all you know, but as a leader, is he the guy in the fourth quarter that's going to carry that team to victories in close games? And I don't know that he's that guy. He could be. Well, let we know Aaron let, Rodgers. Let me, is. Oh, good. I'm sorry. I'm just saying we know Aaron Rodgers is. Um, I would even say Cutler, more likely than not, can. Not as strong as Rodgers, but more likely than not, Cutler can. Don't know about Matthew Stafford down the stretch. Here's here's one thing I, I got from a, a person that I know personally that um, was in the Lions camp uh, a season ago, um, and this was his this was his, uh, training with them. You know, he he didn't necessarily make the cut, but training with them, he said Matthew Stafford has one issue: Megatron. He said if he ever gets to the point where he can take his eyes off of Calvin Johnson and involve all the other receivers, he will be a bad boy. Okay. And he will be tough to deal with. Are you saying he has tunnel vision? And that's probably what Caldwell is going to, the, the, the change that Caldwell will make. I mean, you got to go through your reads, but, I mean, he does, to be fair, to – I can't blame Stafford. He has the prettiest girl at the bar. He has the best receiver in the league. I mean, it'll be hard to not look at Calvin in every play, but, you know, they definitely have the weapons. I mean, they have Golden Tate. That's a huge uh, upgrade at receiver. So, K-Star, who was your pick? No, I stated earlier it was Green Bay. Oh, you did? I'm not, I'm not supposed to say. Okay. All right, let's go to the south. Uh, we have the Panthers, the Saints, Falcons, and Buccaneers. Last year, the Panthers won um, the division, and um, the Saints made it to the playoffs, um, and the Falcons and the Buccaneers were pretty much non-factors. So um, I'll start with JB on this one. You know, this is probably going to be one of the more competitive divisions uh, out there. It's going to be a lot more competitive than last year. I think the Saints are going to squeak by and take this one. Um, 
this division actually could look a lot like last year's NFC West, to be honest with you. The potential is there. Uh, I like what's going on in Tampa Bay. The Falcons, they're, they're revamping themselves. I actually like what I'm seeing from Devin Hester, believe it or not. He had a solid game against the Titans, even though Jess Grant is preseason. But he seems like he'd be poised to take over that, that third, um, that slot position uh, for the receivers. So a lot of good things that are going on with the Falcons. But with Carolina losing basically their entire receiving core, they've got uh, Calvin Benjamin from Florida State, who's, who's going to be pretty good. He's definitely going to be pretty good. But they need more than just that one receiver. And I think the Saints have enough in place to to take that division by no more than, than one game. I think it's going to be real close in that division, but I'll take the Saints. Okay. K-Star, like I don't know who you're going to pick. You know, um, I'm picking the Saints. I hate to say it. You know, they made some nice acquisitions in the off season. It, my my concern with Carolina, I would love to pick him, but I mean he's coming off ankle surgery. He had a he had a hairline rib injury or a hairline rib fracture. Um, while I believe Calvin Benjamin will be good, you know I don't know about those other receivers. He lost a ton of them during the off season. That he lost Jordan Gross, his left tackle, who retired. Uh, I don't think they improved the defense. They lost a couple of players there. They lost Mike Mitchell, the hardening safety, to my Steelers. Um, I just don't think Cam has enough. He's coming into the season hurt again, and he's going to develop more as a passer in the pocket, which maybe long-term will be better for him. Uh, but he's not going to be able to do a lot of Cam-like things as he is not a 100% um, seeing him move around the preseason. That is not Cam at 100% on his ankle. He looks like a shell of his uh, former athletic self. And, again, that's just the residual effects of the ankle surgery, and that's a big part of their offense and their team. So I'm going to go with the Saints reluctantly. Although I do like Tampa Bay to possibly sneak out a wild card spot, I think they have a lot of upside. Uh, you know, with that defensive line and Levy Smith's insurgence, uh, I'm sure the cover two Tampa defense the scheme which should fit them well. Doctor Train, um, I think this this may be a close division, but really, I, I'm I'm right now just from the beginning. I'm just going to call it you know kind of a two team race between. Atlanta and, and, and the Saints. Uh, Carolina, losing all your weapons like that, I mean, um, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough, but I would assume that their run game has to pick up this year. they they got to be able to run, a, run the ball this year, uh, especially only having Kevin Benjamin. He's a rookie, and you still got Greg Olsen, so I'm assuming they're going to be strong at running the ball, and, and maybe that defense does return to shape. Um, Tampa Bay, Trust me, I like Lovey Smith, and I actually would love to pick Tampa Bay. But it's looking like the way Lovey Smith was in Chicago and the offensive line couldn't get the job done. And they made some moves. They traded for Logan Mangus today, uh, and and maybe and maybe that helps. But through preseason, their offensive line play just just hasn't just hasn't looked good. And Josh McCown can play if he's upright. He definitely can play if he's upright. I mean, he did it for us last year. So, but overall, I do, I do like the Saints. They're, uh, I think they can get back into their groove. And with uh, with um, Julio Jones returning from injury and and Atlanta getting their getting their players back, I believe it's 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 a two team race between them two. 
This will be a division race for second place. It's the Saints all the way. I've always said, especially since Sean Payton took over, if I wasn't a Cowboy fan, I'd be a Saints fan. Um, I just completely, I, I really like this team. Um, and I, I, of all the four horsemen that train nickname, my favorite is Drew Brees. Um, now, he also has won me two, two fantasy football championships, so I have to thank him for that. But I just, of the four, he's the most exciting to me. He is the guy that on any given play, I feel like on any given play, he can, he can score a touchdown. You know, and, and I'm not saying he's better than Brady or, or – I'm not saying he's the best of the four. He's just the one when, when it, they get the ball, I sit at the edge of my seat because the guy just is complete excitement, and, and, and particularly when, he, when the offense is, is, is on fire. Uh, or, or has their weapons. So I'm going with the Saints to win the division, and um, I think it's going to be uh, competitive for second place. And, and let me note this. Um, the Saints were 8-0 and at home last year, okay? Um, as we know, when we talk about playoffs and we talk about getting to the Super Bowl, home field advantage, it, it certainly helps, right? The Seahawks had home field advantage, got to the Super Bowl. Broncos had home field advantage, got to the Super Bowl. New Orleans, trust me, is looking at that. And trust me on this, um, they played they played the Seahawks pretty good in, in, the, in the playoffs. They want to be home if they're going to meet Seattle again. They want to be in New Orleans. They don't want to go and play in Seattle. So keep that in mind that they're, they're – they're going to start off this season, I think, fast and strong. They want to get on a winning streak early as opposed to stumbling out of the blocks because they're going to keep watching. I don't think they're going to be watching the Panthers or the Falcons or the Bengals, frankly. They're going to be watching the Seahawks. That's the team they're going to be keeping their eye on. Maybe the 49ers to some degree, although we'll talk about that division in a second. But they're going to be watching the Seahawks because they want to be home. They want home field advantage. So trust me on that. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, it's unanimous for the Saints. Um, even K-Star, who has uh, Cam Newton in the Hall of Fame, um, is against uh, <laughs> minor suspect. It's your minor suspect. Again, long-term. Every year there's a reason. You know? No, they were last year. One of the reasons. One of the divisions. Yes. Yeah, one of the divisions. All right, last but not least, um, and thank everybody for hanging there with us. We wanted to do a, a great first show coming back. And uh, if you have any final thoughts or comments, want to call in 347-838-9525. Last division, NFC West. Excuse me, NFC West. Uh, this division had three teams finish above 500. Two went to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, two went to the playoffs. Seahawks, of course, as we know, this reigning defending Super Bowl champions at 13-3. 49ers um, at 12-4 and and um, went to the Super Bowl previous year and the Cardinals at 10-6. and six. And this division, I'm just going to start off this one because this division to me has the most intrigue because you're really going to have four strong defensive teams to Dr. Train's uh, points. So I'm going to take it away from him because he's going to bring it up. So I'm just going to say I have to now come around and say, yeah, maybe Dr. Train's got a point because all four of these defenses look like they're going to be competitive. And I take my hat off to the general managers and the coaches because they knew they needed to beef up their defenses. The Rams looking good. Cardinals defense looking good. We already know what 49ers can do on defense. Seahawks argument. So you have four defenses. 
Now, where is what's going to elevate the team? Are the Seahawks going to be as strong as last year? And can Russell Wilson, who frankly to me is not a franchise quarterback, he's a starting quarterback, he's a Super Bowl champion, but I don't, I don't think he still doesn't impress me. So do the Seahawks have enough with that strong defense? Colin Kaepernick, is he better than Russell Wilson? A little bit. Does he impress me? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. These guys don't impress me overall. Um, then you've got the Cardinals. We've got Carson Palmer, right? Again, doesn't impress me. What has Carson Palmer done in his career? Nothing. Spent all that time in Cincinnati. Didn't get anything accomplished. And then, of course, the Rams, we, we don't know. <laughs> Bradford is out. Who will they get? You know, I even heard rumblings on one of the shows that they might try to see if they can get Kirk Cousins out of Washington. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, we don't know. So, so now when we look at the four quarterbacks, do any of these quarterbacks step up head and shoulders above each other? Not really, not in my opinion. You can say Russell Wilson because he's a Super Bowl winner, but on paper, is he really better than Kaepernick? The guy with the experience is in Arizona, but what has he really accomplished? So to me, it's kind of a wash of quarterback. So now we go back to the defense, <laughs> and we go back to coaching. Remember what I've always said. When there's a tie, I'm going to look at the coach. And for my money right now, as much as I like Harbaugh over in San Francisco, Pete Carroll is the man. Pete Carroll is the man. This guy is a player's coach. He gets those guys ready to play every week. So I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw last year. San Francisco is going to be right there competing. We're going to see Arizona, and, and, and it's going to be a very competitive division. But I have to give the edge to Seattle because of Pete Carroll and playing in that, in that uh, stadium they play in, which is very loud and very hard to play in. I'm going to give a small edge to Seattle. But they're not running away with it. This is going to be very competitive. They're not running away with it by, by, by long. Matter of fact, hear me today, they will not get home field advantage. They'll, they'll win the division, but they will not, be, they will not get home field advantage. All right. Uh, K-Star. Tough division, best in football. Um, I, I, I like Seattle. And, you know, I, I, I do like Russell Wilson's game. I think he'll develop. I think that, you know, starting the year off with Percy Harvin uh, is definitely an upgrade at their position. Um, you know, and they're still a wonderful home team, which is such a big deal, uh, especially in that division. Everything matters. You want every single advantage that you can get. Well, they certainly have the best home team, home field advantage, um, you know, in that division, maybe the NFL. Uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers will definitely finish second. I mean, you know, maybe Arizona sneaks in and finishes second over them. Um, Solely based on, I could see or I could see San Francisco's defense taking a step back, starting off kind of uh, slow on the year due to the Alden Smith suspension, uh, due to you know Navarro Bowman not being available until midway through the season, um, and, and I think that's going to be the, the the biggest reason why Seattle wins is because again you know, they don't have to face those kind of issues right from the beginning, uh, and again I believe in Russell Wilson's development. I think Colin Kaepernick will as well, but. I like Seattle, and St. Louis will be definitely be good, but, you know, it sucks for them if they're in that division. I'll put it like that because that's the, that's the key of the hill of uh, the divisions of the NFL, and I like Seattle, and uh, it's going to be a tough one, but, 
they're just they're, they're the defending champions, and they seem motivated to do it again. All right, uh, JB. Yeah, I think it's Seattle also. Uh, with the loss of Navarro Bowman with the 49ers, he won't be back until hopefully midseason. Uh, great, great defensive player, great linebacker, but they're definitely going to miss him. Uh, I think Arizona is going to be competitive. I think the Rams probably are going to end up uh, at the bottom just because of the quarterback play or, or lack thereof, uh, although they, they do have a lot of pieces in place to, to do some damage and shake things up. I just see Seattle as being a step ahead of everybody else in that division. And last but not least, Dr. Train. Definitely Seattle, man. Um, those are some teams that if anyone has to play them, you're definitely going to get some. You guess are going to get some good defense out of them. Uh, but uh, the other teams need a little bit more. You just don't know what you're getting out of Carson Palmer, like you said. Um, Sam Bradford been getting uh, ACL tearing going for the season. That really hurts uh, St. Louis chances, you know, all together. And San Francisco just looks shaky. <laughs> so Seattle is just solid right now. Yeah, I didn't see San Francisco. And, Jay, you, you reminded me of Bowman being out. And I, I – just didn't see San Francisco do enough in the off season to close that gap with Seattle. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, but you know, uh, the only other thing I'll say is it's very hard to be competitive after winning the Super Bowl. That that next year is very difficult, and that's something that Pete Carroll. Well, I mean, certainly he's done it in college, but he hasn't done it in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see if he can if he can keep these guys focused and competitive. Because um, historically, that's always a problem with uh, NFL teams, historically. Um, so it would be interesting. All right. Um, so those are our division picks. And I hope everybody wrote them down and called us at the end of the year and tell us how good we are because we are that doggone good. Uh, it's been a long show, but I hope everybody out there has enjoyed the show. And I'm going to go around one last time and get everybody on the show's uh, final thoughts and comments. And uh, I'll start with JB. Any last words, any final thoughts? Great start to the year. Uh, obviously, I enjoy the show. Obviously, this is uh, the premier show out there, bar none. And uh, hopefully, my dudes was able to stay up and listen to the whole thing and enjoy it. So I'm glad that she was on and listening. All right. K-Star, final thoughts? Yeah, uh, uh, let's just get this week over with. It's going to be a very long week. Let's get to next <laughs> Thursday. Um, but, boy, before next Thursday, let's get to this Sunday because that's the draft, and hopefully Yahoo does not try anything crazy. Again, let's hope that's successful. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you guys Sunday night in the draft room. All right. K-Star, I mean, I'm sorry, Dr. Train. Uh, I'll try not to be long-winded, but um, I just want to say, one, always excited for the NFL season, but secondly, um, I do want to say, T and uh, little big brother Jay, I'm very sorry for you guys' loss over the summer, um, but without having to meet you guys' father, um, I know just from you two that uh, he was a great man because he raised two very 
uh, Awesome Sons. And, and to, to Mama Floyd, hey, thank you for listening, and thank you also for raising two uh, very great sons. And it is great to just have a show with you guys. So uh, with that said, man, just looking forward to a great uh, NFL season. I agree with that 100, 189%, 100, 200, 100 million percent. Wonderful. <laughs> I just wanted to take you back there real quick. Well, you know, um, first of all, mom is still listening. I just got confirmation that she's she's hung in there this whole time listening to us. So uh, God bless your mom. And uh, thank you for the kind words. Um, Jay, Jay didn't catch the last show, but I've dedicated this season uh, to our father who is a, was a huge football fan. He didn't really patronize a team, so to speak, but he loves sitting down, loves football, loves sitting down, having a beer and a, and a taste and watching a good football game. So, um, you know, from time to time, Jay and I will be making reference to our beloved father, and then, and um, his spirit will certainly fuel our fire to um, discuss uh, football and, um, you know, to try to do the best job we can. And uh, my mom just told me to thank you for the kind words, uh, Train and K-Star. She appreciates the, the kind words. Um, and we'll get mom to call in one night. You know, she called in. You know, and I, I'll go dig out the archive. But uh, one night um, before Jay joined the, the cast, mom and dad actually did call into the show. And it surprised me. I didn't expect them to. And they called in just to give some support. So I have the archive. I'll dig it out one of these days and play it back. But, um, um so that said, moving forward, um, I guess to, to, to really the main thing that I want to say, uh, well, first of all, as far as seeing you in the draft room Sunday night, K-Star, we will definitely see you in the draft room. Um, the question is, what draft room will it be? Uh, there is a chance that we might make, we might make a change. Train and I are going to discuss some options. And um, Yahoo just pissed me off. And um you know, so so we 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 we'll we'll let everybody in the EFL EAFL fantasy football league know. But Train and I are going to discuss some possibilities, and um, it will be Sunday night regardless. But we'll discuss some possibilities there. Um, so stay tuned. And I saw Train put a post out there for everybody. Stay tuned. Um, and the last thing that I will say is the same thing I say, having done this show for many years now. Football season comes and goes very quickly. It's four months. We are knocking on September's door, and by the end of December, the season is over and we're into the playoffs. You have to grab it and enjoy it. This is not baseball, 162 games. This isn't football, 82 games. This is 16 games played in 17 weeks, and it's over. Embrace it. Feel it. Enjoy it. Even if your team isn't going to be very good, enjoy the competition, enjoy the league, enjoy the show, and just just dive in and surround yourself with football. Um, and help us to spread the word about the Madden voice. I heard a very interesting statistic not that long ago that 45% of all NFL fans are actually female. So to all you young ladies out there watching, tell your girlfriends. Spread the word. We, this year, in honor of our father, me and JB, I really want this show to blow up. I really want to see this show go to another level. But I can't do it alone. I've got my three great co-hosts and all you people out there that are listening, whether you're listening live right now, whether you're listening in archive, whether you're in your car riding to work and listening to us, or however you may be listening, 
do me a favor and just tell somebody about the Madden Voice. Help us out here. Go to our Facebook page and like it. Follow us on our on our Twitter feed. You know, the website is temporarily down only because I just want to do it over and I want to do it right. We'll be back up at some point. But there's plenty of ways to communicate with us. If you have thoughts about the show, feel free. We're always ready to improve and make the show better. But we want this year to really be a breakthrough year for the Madden Voice and go to another level. So everybody out there, please help us out. And in turn, we will we will give you the most entertaining, knowledgeable football talk that you will find anywhere bar none. And that's a fact. So for Dr. Train, for K-Star, and for my brother JB, we want to thank everybody. And we're back. So every Tuesday night, you will see us right here on the Madden Voice, where all feuds are settled on the field. Good night, everybody. <laughs>